What do you think is the most haunted place in the world? Conjuring the house. Conjuring House. We spent a week there and it completely changed our lives. If you take pictures of this doll, it literally says it gives you cancer. And we did that. And then I got cancer that month. That was definitely the first time we truly believed. If you have proof, then our human life doesn't matter anymore. And so when I hear these things or see these things that make me believe that there might be something more, it gives me hope. We have some breaking news as of like 20 minutes ago. Did you hear that Mr. B sold his channel to Disney? No, we what? didn't. Really? Yes, to Disney. $5 billion. You're lying. The number so, got leaked. Wait, so is, is there is an amount? Confirmed? The, yes, yes confirmed. it was just confirmed. What? So is there an amount that you would sell for? Probably $6 billion. Dude, what? Yes. I can't believe that. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Wait, so they own everything now. Yes, and he's not appearing on it anymore. You're, you're lying. lying. No, I swear. You're, no, someone else is coming in in lieu of like Mr. Beast, and they're going to be like Mr. Beast. No what? way! Isn't that crazy? No, Are you lying? He, yeah, he's lying. No, to us. He's, there's not a second. <laughs> he's a horrible oh, liar. Yeah. That was a bad <laughs> Come on, say that. really? Yeah, you gotta. I take, didn't know you were gonna say he's not appearing it. in it. That's uh, too. That's too far. Okay, my bad. I ruined. I ruined the bit. Eric is gonna take over. Imagine if he said that. No, he's not selling the channel. No, not selling the channel. That would be pretty crazy. So <laughs> well, we sell ours for like two hundred, three hundred bucks. Three hundred bucks. bucks. I'll, I'll figure that like, right now if you guys want really. To yeah, yeah. yeah. We can figure this out after the podcast. <laughs> okay, cool. So cool. you guys were on Rogan, right? We were. About so you guys this time are, last year. I mean, that's basically yeah. like the massive stamp of approval of like, okay, you guys are some serious people. To be on Rogan, yeah. right? Before that, we were the most stupid, <laughs> unserious people. No, and it all changed. <laughs> how after that? How did they reach out to you? Dude, in the most casual way possible. Yeah. We got an email from like a random Gmail account and was just like, yo, Joe wants you on the pod. You guys down? We're like, this is fake. This is a guy. No, we actually thought it was fake at first. Yeah. It was just like a paragraph. It didn't have like any of the professional headers or like the endings of the emails. And also, it's just like a random one like paragraph like thing. Like JRE recruiter at Gmail. We're yeah. Like, like come no out to like way. Austin and like really. film the show with I'm us. I'm curious how you even see that email because we get probably 100 emails a day. And most of them we just don't end up seeing. How do yeah. you see that one email? Well, that we could usually be fake? don't get a header that says Joe Rogan experience. Yeah, like, yeah. Maybe we look at it for two seconds. And then okay. we're like, this is probably fake, but just in case, let's have someone field it for a second. Yeah. And it turned out to be real. Yeah. And then we shat our pants. <laughs> it was cool. It was terrifying. Why did he want you on? <laughs> His daughter was a fan. Okay, was that, <laughs> was that really up. it? That she was up. the one who was like, yeah, you got to get Sam. Yeah, yeah. She was like, yeah, a major fan. And she she's bought like all of our merch and stuff. And we have like, she or she said she has like posters of us like in her room and stuff. So Joe sees us every morning. Apparently. <laughs> no, Crazy. are you serious? So she was like nagging him to like get us on. And um, he finally like looked us up. And obviously he's super into the supernatural yeah. stuff. So he was just like, all right, this could be a good fit. Yeah. But How nervous were you going down. going on there? Exactly. Do they do they prep you with like here's what he's going to talk about here's the outline or no is it just we're going to show up and do our best nothing we didn't we didn't really hear any information other than like some flights being sent our way until we walked in and then even beforehand uh, he just came up and was like yeah let's you know we'll talk on the podcast and then just hopped in the room and we started so like we didn't know anything about it yeah. all we knew obviously we'd seen a bunch of his shows uh, all we knew was going to be a long podcast. And we got sent a couple of clips um, after we accepted of Joe saying he like really doesn't believe in the paranormal. And so we were kind of nervous. Who sent you that? 
Uh, it's like PR. PR. Joe's PR. No, ours. Oh, your we, PR. We just like, looked in, looked into it a little bit because we were like, yeah, I wonder if he's into the ghost stuff. Because uh, he you know, talks about conspiracy theories mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And he has ragged on a lot of uh, ghost hunters in the past. So we were like, uh oh, like, is he going to, you know, like our stories or not? But Do you think you convinced him? We took a very, like, uh, vague approach to it. Um, so, like, we basically didn't say, ghosts are real or ghosts are fake. Like, we didn't mm. tell him that, like, directly. We were just like, well, there could be, like, possibilities of blank, like, energies, certain things like that. Um, so I think, like, keeping it as a vague approach. He was extremely it. fair. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. for someone that probably before our, our podcast didn't believe at all, he was incredibly fair, like hearing us out and hearing our stories. And I think he believed that we believe, mm-hmm. but I don't know if he believed after us. Yeah. 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 Do you guys hang out with him afterwards? Like when the podcast ends, what happens to Joe Rogan? So actually, so his daughter came to the studio yeah. right after and we had a giant, what, like a giant cardboard box of our merch that was shipped to us. <laughs> and uh, we were about to go back to L.A. So we we're just like, all right, we might as well. Like, give this all to her. Yeah. And then as we were pulling out, he ran to our car and was just like, do you guys actually want to go to, like, a steak dinner? Yeah. We're like, yeah, no sure, way. why not? So we all went to, like, a, a fancy spot, like, down the street and yeah. hung out with him. How yeah. was that going to dinner with Joe? Were people just, like, constantly coming up? Saying, oh, my God, it's Joe Rogan. Well, he had security. And he walked in with, like, the hood up, head down, like. No way. I've never yeah. seen anything like it was it before. definitely it was next cool. level. But, yeah. I mean, he was incredibly genuine. Like, super extremely, down to earth. Extremely. We met his family. You know, and like just you know, shot the shit. You know, off off camera for like two or three hours. Mm-hmm. He was super nice. Like gave us a lot of his time. It was really. really what was awesome. most surprising about Joe Rogan? Um, I honestly think the most surprising thing was how open he was to our stories mm-hmm. because I was imagining him being very anti paranormal and you know not making fun of us, mm-hmm. but making fun of the idea of something else. But he was. He was pretty fair with everything and like went down the crazy roads of like talking about all the different sides of the paranormal and ghost hunting yeah. and everything with us. And it was really cool. And then he followed up, actually. He, you know, started texting us ghost stories. And then <laughs> no. he, actually, he was texting you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like, hey, guys, check this out. This like ghost story. And then he invited us out to his comedy store uh, in Austin to do a ghost hunt. So we're about which we're to, doing no. next week. Are yeah. you serious? We're going in, yeah, we're going to see him next week. Yeah. When is that going to drop? That's Bad. no yeah. March. March or March. something. It's like our first or second video of the year. But yeah, he was like, dude, I think my place is haunted. He's heard of some like murders that happened in the building. And he was like, I want you guys to investigate it. I think this stuff is really cool. So yeah. Is he gonna really be nice. in it? Yes. I hope so. Wow. Yeah. A little bit. He's not gonna be like <laughs> okay. investigating with yeah. us That's or anything. Crazy. Yeah, but we're gonna do like an interview and he'll probably walk us through the spot. And then, yeah, let us do our own that thing. Is How does that feel? Incredible. Like on a personal level, outside of all the YouTube, the fame, this and that, just like casually meeting Joe Rogan. And it's like it crazy. You up. It's crazy. I, I remember when we got the email, it was right after last Hell Week, I think, which mm-hmm. is October for us. Yeah. Um, and again, we thought it was fake at first, but it's, it's just surreal. Like it's, he doesn't even do any YouTubers at all. I think right. he's done like a handful. Mr. And Beast that's it. and... More like plays, Marcus more dates. Brownlee. Yeah. Marcus Brownlee. Yeah. 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 Maybe that's it. I don't know if there's anybody else, but <clears throat> yeah, we were just shocked. We, we were just confused. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's definitely the most famous person yeah. that we've met. Uh, but what's really cool is how down to earth he is. Yeah, like when he, when he texts or invites us out to things, he's just like, yeah, like so casual. And I'm like, dude, you could be texting anybody in the world. Why are you texting us? So it's really cool that, you know, he's so nice. Yeah, that's he's so a cool. nice guy. 
So well, cool. yeah. on a different level, you guys are very, very down to earth as well. And you guys have, at this point, what, 11 million subscribers on the main channel and then a few other million here and there on side channels or your own personal channels and stuff like that. I wanted to bring up really quickly the funny story of how I met you guys. I don't know if I've told you guys this. I was actually on... I swear to God, I don't bring this up just on my own, okay? It's just, I don't even it's know It's just by happenstance. I, I was on a Tinder date. I said it. Okay, I was on a Tinder date. I feel I like most wait, of your you're stories. you're on Tinder, Jack? I, not anymore. No, that was like the old me. All of the stories okay. start with, I was on a Tinder date. I, 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 I swear, I heard that that Tinder is not, it's not like a big part of my life or anything. <laughs> Come on, so don't go Jack. around thinking that it is. But I was indeed on a Tinder date with somebody. And she said, oh my God, there's these two YouTubers. I'm so obsessed with them. They're like my favorite ever. They, their names are Sam and Colby. No way. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I like look you guys up. Um, I saw, and then she was like, yeah, they just moved to Vegas. Oh my gosh, what if I ran into them at a Starbucks? How does that feel to be like on a date with this girl and she's fangirling, and she's fangirling about else. two other guys? In front, in front of you. Yeah. Uh, Is that disrespectful I mean, or not? No, it was like, it was <laughs> in a, a little bit. It was in a casual way, but she's like, I have like, I watch every single video as soon as it comes comes out like they mean the world to me i'm like okay it didn't bother me i thought it was just kind of like funny <laughs> they to didn't say just like how extremely hot we were and it, i mean she was saying that she okay. was like <laughs> madly infatuated with you guys so. uh, yeah. jack if you could get the same haircut as they have <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the only difference guys is the hairstyle but okay anyways i was i was on this date and she brought you guys up and then i go to vid summit like two weeks later yes and then i hear like talk on the street people are like these sam and colby guys like they're here and I'm like, oh, oh, Sam and Colby, like they just moved to Vegas and they're like my age. <laughs> That's all I knew. Never seen a video. None of that. I knew you're my age. You live in Vegas. And then my Tinder date, they, she brought that up. And then I see you guys just by happenstance. I'm like, hey, guys, nice On to meet you. On the ship, right? On the ship. It was at a, an after party after Vid yeah. Summit. And I see you guys like, was that I'm, the one we were at together? Yeah, we were, yeah the ship. Yeah, yes. I remember that. Yeah. And the ship. The, sh the yacht. Yeah, the yacht. Yeah. Whatever it was. Yacht. It was, a, it was like party. an after party for this <laughs> massive YouTuber convention. <laughs> I think of like, like a naval ship or something like that. <laughs> On the ship. The sailboat. Like the, the tiny little Mary, boat. Man. It was it was a it was a ship, guys. It was a massive yacht ship. But anyways. We were on this boat, mm -hmm. and uh, I see you guys getting some food. I'm like, hey, guys, I'm Jack. Nice to meet you. I live in Vegas. And you guys were so, like, friendly, chill. You gave me your phone number. And then we just, like, ever since then have been, like, hanging out. Yeah. We get food and stuff like that. Some pickleball here and Dude, there. You know what you should do is text that girl a picture right now. So I feel like it's a pretty commonly known fact that running a business can be incredibly challenging and trying to stay organized using a bunch of different spreadsheets and softwares can end up taking more time and energy than what it's worth. Now here at the Iced Coffee Hour, we're all about simplifying things and making them as easy as possible. And our sponsor, NetSuite, is able to help you do just that as long as you remember these three numbers, 37,000, 25, and 1. 37,000 because that's how many companies have already switched to NetSuite and stopped doing things like typing in manual data entry and searching throughout scattered information. 25 because NetSuite has spent 25 years helping businesses drive down their costs. And one because NetSuite is an all-in-one solution that allows you to manage all of your KPIs or key performance indicators with one efficient system. NetSuite can help reduce the mistakes from manual data entry and prevent the busy work from scaling with your business. So get a full picture of your business and help make better decisions faster. Right now you can download Download NetSuite's popular KPIs checklist for free at netsuite.com slash ice with the link down below in the description. Again, that's netsuite.com slash ice to get their famous KPIs checklist for free at netsuite.com slash ICED. Thank you so much, NetSuite. And back to the episode. You know what you should do is text that girl a picture right now.
Oh, dude, yeah. Do it. Sushi response. Do it. By the end of the podcast, she's got another date. Yes, how about this, guys? Keep watching because at some point in the podcast, we will show you her response. <laughs> she's like, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, she's like, don't uh, get me in there. Just... There we go. Hey. She's like, wow, they are so much hotter than you. When's <laughs> <laughs> no, no. the last time you talked to her? I don't know. Not not like super long ago. We need like, let me see the last message. I'm not going to show you the last message, bro. Get the last message. We want to see the last it. message. Come on. I think she actually texted me somewhat. Yes, the last message is like Oh, she said, ghosted. "Did you break your leg or what?" When I got the injury. So you're she still talking me. to her a year oh. and No, that was later? like that was like the first time she reached out to me in a long time. In a year and a half. Why? Why is this? Why is this what you really want to dive into, Graham? We, we are love for, diving we're, into Jack's love life. We're here for Sam and Colby, okay? But anyways, that's the case. We became friends, and ever since then, we've been hanging out. For those that are wondering, like this is the most unlikely collaboration that we've ever thought of because we're in very different circles. But, I was gonna say, yeah. have you ever had hmm. anybody like us on this podcast, Mr. Ballin? Mr. Ballin. Mr. Ballin. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, Mr. Cool. Ballin. yeah. Does the scary like stories, it. right? Yeah. Yep. He's yeah. crushing it. Yeah, that episode that we did with him did like over 2 million views. Dang. Dude, was, everything he touches turns to gold. It's it awesome. does. He's got that, that star power. He's Our got that star power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 clips all to over a million views. Too. Yeah, the clips are insane, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he so, took over the space. Yeah. So I'm sure. curious, how did you guys first meet? Um, our parents made us do band, and we both didn't really like doing it and so we kind of bonded over the fact that we didn't want to be there yeah. <laughs> what instrument did you guys pick um you were alto sax? saxophone okay clarinet. i did clarinet. clarinet okay cool and then tenor saxophone and um jazz band okay so good old stuff and what uh, didn't you like about that it just it was something that so my my grandpa was the drum major and so like mm. he made my dad do band and then my dad like forced me to do band as well. So it was yeah. just one of those things where it's like when your parents force you to do something, you're mm -hmm. just not going to like it no matter what it is. Um, I didn't hate it. Like looking back on it, I'm glad I did it because I, you know, met a lot of lifetime friends and stuff. But it was just one of those things where I was like, like I hated going to to practice, especially in the summer and stuff like we'd miss a month of our summer just because yeah. we were. There's a lot of work. Yeah. yeah sure. Practicing but all the time. There was one good thing about band camp and that was. The really hot senior drum major. drum major. Yeah, so we both had a crush on the senior drum major, okay. and we couldn't talk to her at all. Uh, and so that's what we bonded over. We sat in a corner, twiddling our thumbs, going, you go talk to her. No, you go talk to her. Like, we can't talk to her. Let's talk to each other. And so that's how we became friends. We had a little crush, and we were like, fuck, like, how do we talk to this girl? And then so we decided, all right, let's, uh, I guess, change that. Yeah, we were yeah. very shy and awkward people. We still are kind of shy and awkward right now, but we were very, very shy and awkward like when we were like 13, 14. Yeah. And so we bonded over the fact that we couldn't talk to this girl. And like we were both, like you said, just trying to like dare each other to go up and like say something, but we couldn't. And so we were just like, hey, we both have this issue. How do we solve it? Let's go to the mall. The only thing in Kansas City, like where mm -hmm. everybody went to from all the school districts, was this one mall called Oak Park Mall. Yeah, we decided to go there every single weekend and throw ourselves in the deep end of social situations and kind of like, not even just pick up girls, but like go talk to everybody yeah. in any social situation to kind of put ourselves out of our comfort zone to learn how to talk to yeah. people. So what's like a specific yeah. experience that you guys dared each other to do at the mall? To like go high five, confidence. first person to high five 25 people wins. And yeah. so we'd run around like eh, to everybody, like just like random That's things that good. would get your heart racing. Yeah. Or like be like, all right, well, so we play this. Well, we got this from Kong from uh, Simple Pickup. Yeah. This is a YouTube channel a long time ago that taught confidence that to guys. Channel. But uh, anyway, this is one of the games. It's basically called Go. So 
I would tell him like, hey, go fall in front of that group of girls uh, <laughs> right now. And if you don't do it, 20 push-ups. And so we do things spot. like that. Yeah. So like, you know, either do the push-ups or you go make a fool of yourself. Or I get to tell him the pickup line that he has to go use on the next girl. And it was atrocious. But the crazy thing about things. that game specifically is like why, why it was called Go is I think we had, what, a five-second rule yeah. where he would like prompt me with something like, Go fall in front of these yeah. girls and then count down from five. So I couldn't even have. You can't like, think about excuses. it. Once you think about it for more than five seconds, you're going to you overthink it. it, and then you're going to be in your head, and you're never going to do it. Yeah. And again, we're not recommending that everybody does right. this and stuff. But we were 15 years old at this point, and so it really worked for us back then, being yeah. like minors yeah. and like I wouldn't recommend like a 27 year old to like <laughs> fall in front of a bunch of girls. Yeah, but, but it taught us like, why, a lot about rejection. Why were you yeah. so shy? Why do you think that is? Mm, probably how we grew re- up and yeah just naturally Dude, you think was there was just, like an experience you remember that maybe taught you like i, I shouldn't be as outgoing or i shouldn't like put um, myself out there so much or like embarrassment for me just generally something? like it was insecurity okay yeah like it was so bad like if i was sitting next to like a group of people and like the teacher called on me i would cry because i was yeah. like i i didn't want to be wow. on the spot like it was like it was horrible so, so is it like an anxiety thing where you get called on like all of a sudden you kind of freeze and panic and oh yeah that was like my worst fear i mean that's most yeah. most people's worst fear is, fear is like public speaking but for yeah. me like it was even just talking or saying hi to somebody so i'm very glad we're out of that now oh, but God, i feel like a yeah. lot of young people go through that too where they sure. feel that insecurity yeah. yeah so how long did that take you to overcome a lot of those feelings by going out to the mall and like practicing it's like a year. Yeah, right? probably like we've really noticed a difference after a year. And I would say we were very, very different people after two years. But we worked at it. Like we would write down exactly what we wanted to do and like the challenges and stuff. And it we didn't treat it as like, oh, let's just go to the mall and like gain confidence. Yeah. It was like we put it on whiteboards and stuff like that. Like my dad would drop us off at like 10 a.m. at the mall and then pick us up at 10 p.m. And we'd be running like you know, these games yeah. and stuff like that the entire time. Would he know what you were doing? Yeah, yeah he encouraged yeah. it. He, he was, encouraged it. He, like, yeah. would even talk to us and brainstorm about things that we could do, like things we could say or things that we could practice to, like, get better at speaking. So how long did it take you to get good at that? I can imagine after, like, two, three months, you're getting pretty proficient at going up and be like, all right, we know we could high-five strangers, but can you get a phone number? Exactly. All right, first right. to get three phone numbers, like, now, go. Exactly. I mean, it escalated yeah. pretty quickly. I mean, it started off with high-fives and ended with, you know, singing carols on the food court tables in front of like 500 were you filming it uh we didn't for two years but that's where our vine career started Mm -hmm. so when we did this for two years then you know colby came to me and being like hey i see these people on vine these mad con boys back in the day they're doing a lot of stupid pranks in public we pretty much do that already what if we just film it because we can do exactly what they're doing and we literally do it every single weekend but just for fun and so that's where the Vine and social media thing started. What was the first Vine you posted? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was at the Oak Park Mall. Okay. And, it's uh, Oak Park Mall. I want to go there. Yeah. It's a legendary. legendary <laughs> they hate us. We're, we're actually banned there for life. Are you actually? We're banned there for life, but we're in their Zoomies. You know? Yeah. Like, oh, wait, wait, can, have you been back recently or anytime? Yeah, we, we go back. And they're like, cool with you guys now. Well, well if they call <laughs> us, technically they can arrest yeah. us. Yeah, they can arrest us at any time, technically, because we signed like a contract or whatever if you um, step foot in the mall we they get could. arrested immediately but we 
We've been yeah, back. So for legal purposes, we haven't been. And you've never been back. Okay, can't you hire a lawyer and just overturn that exactly. and just like Probably. work it out? Like it might be worth it just to be able to go back to like the place it started. Yeah, yeah. It's not that big of a deal. But what was the one prank that you did that got you like banned for life? Oh, God. <laughs> it we, was uh, the couch. Yeah. But we took a couch out of like one of the public areas, both got on it, rode up and down the escalators a couple of times, and then put the couch back. And they're like, that's a destruction of property mm. or something. Was this on Vine? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You filmed it. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. It was bad. It was bad. But it's we, a again, harmless we steal prank. It. Yeah, but that's like that takes a lot of confidence to do that. Yeah, that's like not just your average person, not even like not your top like I don't know ten percent of people in confidence levels would do that. Exactly. Yeah, but okay. we had just finished that year of gaining the most confidence we've ever had in our entire lives, so we were like on cloud nine of like not giving a fuck. As you already may have heard me mention, I recently hurt my ankle playing basketball, although we were cooking the opponents 11 to 3. Going through this, I realized just how hard it is to get a hold of a doctor, let alone finding a doctor that accepts new patients and accepts your insurance. And that's where our sponsor, ZocDoc, comes in. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. All you need to do is download the app, type in the problem that you're experiencing, select the time and date you need the appointment, and find care. So- ZocDoc then gives you a long list of suitable doctors in your area, as well as their availability. Every doctor on ZocDoc comes with real patient reviews, which makes them a very reliable source when you're trying to find the right fit. And once you've found the right doctor, all you gotta do is pick the time that works best, fill out your info, and you're good to go. It's really that easy. Just go to the link down below in the description, or go to ZocDoc.com ice to get the ZocDoc app for free. And then you can find and book a top-rated doctor today. Once again, that's ZocDoc.com slash iced, ZocDoc.com doc.com slash iced and with that said let's get back to the episode so what was that first vine that you posted it was called first vine yo okay (laughs) it's super stupid we just did what you know the craziest thing that we had been practicing thus far and so we just screamed this is our first vine yo we jumped on to like the food court and like screamed at the top of our lungs and it was a full it was like 6 p.m everyone's eating there's probably 300 people there screamed at the top of our lungs and then jumped off and ran around yeah, and it was literally we literally so were stupid. just like first vine yo, and then screamed, jumped off the table. What was That's what were it. people's reactions when they see that? Are they laughing? Are they clapping? Are they just like? <laughs> I don't think they were most laugh- people were just kind of like, like, what are these guys doing? Yeah, dead silence. It's super awkward. It's super bad. <laughs> There's this guy yeah. that I follow on TikTok who does similar sort of social experiments, and he shows that like you could do whatever you want in public, and nobody cares. And yeah. he'll walk through a mall like this and you see people just straight ahead they pay no attention he's like you could act however you want in public and no one's gonna do anything and no one cares so it doesn't matter so yeah. I think that's like kind the of biggest out. thing we realize yeah. of this entire process is like people don't care about you like as much as like that's hard to hear you think that everyone's looking at you no one cares because they got their own problems their own things in their life their own things that they're focused on so you can do whatever you want you can say whatever you want you can be whoever you want to be because at the end of the day they're going to focus on them. You're going to focus on you. Yeah. Or if they do notice yeah. you doing something like that, they'll forget about it in a week or two. Right. Like n- none of those people are going to remember our first vine. You know what I mean? Like they're not going to be like, do you guys remember in like 2013 <laughs> when these two kids screamed at yeah. a? Maybe they do at this point. But I don't know. <laughs> Maybe they do. Yeah. Legendary. 13 years later. Yeah. Let's go. I don't know. One of my biggest fears is getting up on a table at one of those like mall food courts and like yelling. We're trying to get everyone's it. attention. You need to do don't it. want it's to a free feeling, dude. Yeah, and we were terrified. Just like attention, attention, because I've seen like the simple pickup people do it, yeah, and then yeah. I think it was uh, Jason who yes. would go on the table and say, "Excuse me, everyone, quiet down, quiet down." That girl right there, 
let me go talk to you. And then he would just walk <laughs> up and like get a number. I think that was one of them. Yeah. I think that's probably where we got the idea. It's to like get people's attention, have everyone look at you as like you're a disturbance. Yeah. But once you do it once and you realize your life is not over. But is it a so good much- feeling? Is it like Afterwards. a freeing feeling or is it kind of just like, oh, I just did that, you know, and then you just like. Yeah, I mean, that's why we did it was because it was an adrenaline rush and we were so shy that like pu- pushing ourselves to that extreme, like screaming mm-hmm. when we're not able to talk in classrooms, it just made us feel like we could do anything. Yeah, it desensitizes you to all your other fears. Like imagine you do the thing that you're absolutely most scared of and you realize that wasn't so bad. Then the next time you want to do it, you can push it even further. You can push even further. Or that other thing that you're very scared of doesn't seem so bad. So do you think that anxiety that you had, let, even if it's not like anxiety disorder, let's just say it was like a derivative of that, do you think that's something that can actually be conquered and solved by something like this? Or do you think there's still Ooh. like an underlying level of low-grade anxiety that people just carry with themselves their entire life? They can do their best to mask it, but you can't conquer it. It's hard to say because obviously we're not like medical professionals at all. And we were never um, but you're in your, Right, but in your anxiety. own life with the anxiety that you had. I have always had anxiety my entire life. And even after 15, I would say like I was the most confident I was when I was 15, 16. Um, but like it's it's always been there. I've learned that anxiety is something that you can like learn to deal with and suppress, but it will always be there in certain situations. Um, but again, like it's, it's something that you have to practice at every single day. Like if you're practicing constantly putting yourself out of your comfort zone, it's way easier, at least personally speaking to talk to other people and have less anxiety. I think it was very interesting, the difference between us, because I, I think to your question, it's a, it's a personal use case. I mean, we weren't diagnosed with <laughs> anything, so maybe other people are very different. But for us, like after this experience of like the confidence era in high school and going through all the social media stuff, I feel like I changed and didn't go back uh, any, any bit. And, but I also think I was like probably even worse in terms of anxiety and like, you know, social insecurity than you were mm-hmm. um but nowadays i feel like i once i was able to accomplish that i didn't really go back to ever like that super hardcore insecurity mm. anxiety so, but i feel like you maybe were different. yeah we're like different in those ways yeah. i feel like it's a muscle where if you don't actively exercise it you lose it that's where and I'm for at. me it's like i used to be really social when i was like a real estate agent talking to everybody and now i, I just don't have the skills anymore yeah. So I've lost it completely. And mm-hmm. even now, like going out and socializing, it's, it's like twice a week, really. And now I have to actively like work right. on myself and kind of think about it a little more than I used to. Definitely. Mm-hmm. It's a skill yeah. set for sure. Mm-hmm. And I think people forget about that. There's people like you, which I'm jealous of that, like you can take that one experience and then use it for life. But yeah, for me, it's like I just constantly have to be putting myself out of my yeah. comfort zone to like feel that yeah. security. So were all of your vines, these like big stunts in front of people? Initially, for like probably a year, yeah, Uh, yeah, we called it our public disturbance era, yeah, (laughs) where we just like go in and wreak havoc. The trend at the time, it was like you know elevator pranks, escalator pranks. Yeah, that was like the start of the prank era. Mm -hmm. I feel like where it really became popular. Right, 2014 to what 2016, something like that. Yeah, Yeah. and that's when Vine died. Right, 2016, Mm -hmm. and so we had to pivot over to. So were you were you making any money at that point on Vine or no? It's just like you're gaining a following. We were getting some money from brand deals every once in a while. We probably started making money on Vine after about a year. Uh, we could. We moved out to Los Angeles with about just under a million followers on Vine. And to give you reference, we could barely make rent. Like maybe if rent was 
you know, just around 3K with utilities and everything like that, we were making maybe like 4 or 5K. We can say how much we moved out with, though, right? It would be yeah. funny if you're like, we could barely make rent at like 40 grand a month. That mansion, man. We're super humble, though. So. <laughs> um, no, we had 15 grand in our bank account. Total? Left. Yeah, yeah. Mo- Combined. moving into LA. Yeah, that yeah. was our business Sam account. Enterprises. So you guys had a, a joint account at the time. Uh, yeah, yeah, we started Sam McCoy Enterprises in Kansas. Really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, your dad helped us with that, actually. Yeah, so I came out and visited yeah. uh, my senior year in, like, winter, and we're like, we need to be in LA. Like, if we want to continue the social media thing, we have to. Like, that was the era of all collaborations, and that was the main way to grow. And then, so my dad sat us down and was like, okay, if you guys can get $20,000, then... I'll let you guys take a gap or I'll let me take a gap year and subsequently him too. And so basically we spent six months trying to rack up as much cash as we possibly could. And although we only got 16, they were like, man, eh, go for it. That's, yeah. you know, three to five months rent and expenses and stuff like that. Like you probably won't die. What's, what's your dad's background to be able to say, all right, you get this amount, you could go and move here and like you need X amount of expenses like that. Like most parents, I feel like wouldn't do that. They would just say, oh, you want to do that? You know, good luck. Uh, we're, we're here to, you have a crash to sleep on. Yeah. I mean, my dad was a pivotal part in our success, I think. Like, he helped us form businesses. He taught us about personal finance. He taught us about, like, management, gave us a bunch of books to read. And just the encouraging words were the best. Yeah. Like, he he just, like, we would be doing all these crazy stuff. And, like, a lot of, like, our friends and family members were like, what are you guys doing going to the mall all the time? But he was just like, no. You guys are like growing faster than everybody else. Like, keep doing this. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. What, what, what's his background? What does he do? He did a bunch of different stuff. We started in accounting, became more managerial stuff. And then, oh, that's why. You know, yeah. It's good with money. Marketing manager, a bunch of different companies and stuff like that. And he was bouncing around. But his main thing at the end was like, just like consulting people on how to run a business. And so he looked at us as like a little business. And obviously, he cared about us yeah. more than anything else. So he was like, no, like you guys, like people don't think about this you know, personal growth stuff when they're 15. This is like later on in life. So take this charge. Like here's like, you know, where you should learn about your finances. Here's how you should learn about your life and confidence. And here's books and stuff. He's always giving us ideas. What what books did he give you? Dude, first one I will recommend to everybody ever. How to Lend Friends and Influence I love that book. I always tell people to read that book. I love it. It's one of my favorite books. You're any walk of life, but especially a young person. Read How to Win Friends and Influence People. I yeah. agree. It's an older book, too. I think it was like early 1900s. Yeah, it's yeah. like 100 years old. Yeah. yeah. It's but public it's domain applies. now, I believe. So you could just look it up online for free. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So it's interesting to read it now in 2024. I just read it last year for the first time. Are you serious? Yeah. So the audio book is also free on YouTube. Yeah, mm. that's yeah. very true. But like all the examples that Dale Carnegie uses are like like figures in the late 1800s it's really interesting because that's it like all his still time applies period. you know it's like life doesn't change yeah. too much or right like the, the human psyche doesn't change too much yeah so you can apply all those different things great well, book. you know the different people are just like listening to different podcasts or like you know the rich dad poor dad type right. of stuff. just the generalized mm-hmm. here get a a basic sense of life yeah and then whenever we had questions he was the guy to read contracts or help us negotiate on brand deals at the start it was Really helpful. Mm-hmm. So when you moved to L.A., did you live in that Hollywood and Vine building like everyone else on Vine? Did you actually? <laughs> we didn't move to yeah. that building initially. Okay. So 2015, we were in Studio City, just a random spot. Yeah. Uh, 2016, we moved to Vine because we didn't have enough that 15K the, in our bank account. Yeah. We could not move there because that, that was, was the spot to be. Yeah. It was yeah. almost 5K a month to live there. 5K for a two-bedroom? For a two-bedroom two two and 1600 Yeah. 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 So it was like we pretty much – it was – 
probably not the best financial move for us because but everyone was there. Yeah, but it was right. the greatest thing in the world for our career. Yeah. Like was that at the time Logan Paul was living there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Tor- Logan, Kim Batch, Bieber had like the penthouse at the time. Really? Bieber was, was like, living there? Yeah, yeah, he lived up on. Did I you ever know, see I him? those beans right there, but <laughs> no, we never saw. We okay. Never saw him, we weren't that cool. <laughs> He had his own elevator, probably. Yeah, probably, yeah. honestly. Everybody lived there. Yeah. <laughs> so how were you supporting yourself at the time? Like, were you making enough on Vine brand deals to keep this going? Like, did you ever worry about, like, running out of money? Um, at we, first, for sure. We were we were worried about it, but at the same time, we were on, again, our, both of our parents said, like, all right, guys, you have a gap year. Mm-hmm. If you don't make, they didn't even give us, like, an X amount, but they were just like, if you don't make it, pretty much, both of you got to go back to, like, KU or college, whatever. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, we were live streaming all the time. Um, it was a grind fine brand sure. deals. There what was else? a big pivotal moment in our financial career, and that was probably six to eight months after we moved to LA. So we were basically running on brand deals and live streaming for a while. And tour money. <clears throat> we would go money. on tour and MC the shows because we weren't big enough. So we'd like pitch tour companies and be like, why don't we just like host them then? And they yeah. were like, all right, we'll you guys have green, a little bit of a following. Yeah. Was this, this was the MagCon tour? This was right oh. after MagCon. So we missed the initial MagCon, okay. but like did but those types like, of things. Like yeah. press play, if you've heard of them, or DigiTour, things like <laughs> that. Very small okay. yeah. type of things. But yeah, basically we were, we were running on that money and that was okay. We were definitely making just above rent, but we we're like, this is going to be very stressful for a very long time. Uh, and then we actually met uh, Kong. Yeah. In person, really, we met him um, in 2015. Him and Jesse in 2015, and they taught us about subscription services. And How did you like, meet them at VidCon? VidCon like one of those like events, you know? Like, really, it was just like a bunch of YouTube. I remember. Guys. So it was an after party, yeah. and I remember like seeing Kong in the distance, and then just like fangirling to say, "I'm like, oh my god, like that dude changed our lives. Yeah. Like, oh my god." Um, should we go talk to him? Like, no, we shouldn't. We shouldn't. We can't be weird. And then Give we were just like, five. wait, we've been doing that like our entire lives. Like throwing That's ourselves good. out of our comfort yeah. zone. Like we have to. And so I went up and like tapped his shoulder and he was like in a conversation. He said like, give me one second. I'm going to finish this and then talk to you guys. And I just straight up said like, Hey man, like we are here because of you and you changed our lives. And like, just basically like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, Yo, dude, yeah. we love you. Yeah. And he, he could see like how genuine we were being and he was interested in our businesses and, Taught us like, about subscription services. Yeah. yeah, he was like, "I know, like the best way to make money. No one's doing this, so I think you guys should try it out." And so we ran our first subscription service, and that was insane for us. Like yeah. at this point, we were making yeah, like five k a month. And then when we launched our first subscription service, I think it went up to like fifteen k a month. Something and we were like, like, "I don't know." Oh wait. Yeah. We are going to make it. it. Yeah. Like we're mm-hmm. not going to have to go home to Kansas, and that was like the coolest thing in the world. Yeah. They were really ahead of their times. So simple pickup. Oh, yeah. I remember when they came out with Project Go yeah. for five dollars a month, and I remember how many people signed up for that yep. thing. And I was blown away. I think that was twenty like thirteen. They had to be that, one like, of, if not the first it was, subscription service. Yeah, I think for social way media. ahead of their time. I thought it was a genius idea. Yeah, and I think also at the time they were doing like boot camps in addition to that. I mean, it was such a good business to be in. Mm-hmm. They were super smart like behind the scenes and we were lucky to meet them i think we met them six months after we moved or less yeah probably like, yeah six months LA. And within a couple months after that they had helped us launch our first subscription service they and, basically yeah. took the skeleton of project go and like yeah. gave us everything like all the code and stuff and we're just like hey use this for your own project and we ended up doing something called the life project way back in 2015 okay. which was all about like teaching people 
like things that school doesn't. So like how to be happy to the best of our ability. Yeah. You know, obviously we're not medical or therapists yeah. at all. But like how to be happy or like how to make friends, and stuff yeah. things that like that. We've been working this on the last this might sound stupid, but did, did they just do this for free? Or was it like so we could work out something? Things. Yeah. Like one, we were a guinea pig for them. So basically, anything okay. they, any product and stuff they wanted to test, they could test it on us. And they also yeah. got a percentage of whatever okay. we made. Mm-hmm. So they were they were doing it for a couple of different reasons. But yeah. I obviously, the, the stuff they were putting into us, they did oh, not I bet. Yeah, no, get a return it's like... on at all. So shout out to them so for helping us. This was just a website that you guys would upload unique content to, and people would pay a subscription to access it, kind of just similar Dude, to Patreon. Patreon yeah, before exactly. Patreon, Correct. man. Correct. Yeah, okay. 2015. Okay, so that's massive. That's so you went to 15K a month with this thing. Yeah. Yes, yes. And then you could support yourselves. And were you on YouTube at this point or no? We were doing YouTube, but we were... Extremely getting, small. Like, we were getting, like, zero views, pretty much. We also <laughs> made a horrible decision. This is one of the contracts I didn't run past oh, yeah. my dad, uh, and we Uh-oh. got scammed. So we were in a three-year contract with a scam company that got all our AdSense since the day we started. So we didn't make any money on YouTube at all for the first three years. Was that, like, one of those MCNs where they're yeah. like, hey, uh, sign us, we're going to help you with copyright claims yes. and monetization. And it was just, like, a click of a button, and then they got everything. Was it a contract? Like, uh, That's why? Or were they like, did they have access to your channel or something? Uh, yeah. it, I think they had access to the back end of our channel. So it was, long ago. Wow. And the contract was three years. Yeah. And they didn't provide any value. Zero. Zero. Did they tell you that they were going to take 100% of the revenue? No, they said they were going to take 10%. And then they just took everything. We didn't see Are you serious? For three years. We got scammed. It was some Australian so company. But why like, couldn't you just like kick them out of the channel? Because well, you were like in then... With the contract going outside of the contract, you hire a lawyer. How expensive yeah. is that? And you got to fight an Australian company. That's yeah. difficult. Yeah, we were just scared at that point. We we weren't, you know, doing really well, and so we were like, okay, like, how much is that lawyer? How much is this yeah. big battle going to be? And like, are we going to win? You we know, also were stuff. just super naive to how much money you can make on YouTube at this point. Yeah. So we were only making our money from live streaming and Vine. So we didn't even know like AdSense was worth it. Right. So we were like, oh, whatever, AdSense, like no big deal. Mm-hmm. And then, have it. then it turned off, and we're like, oh, oh we missed out. <laughs> uh. Do you feel comfortable sharing how much that amount would have been? I don't even know. Oh, honestly, it's not that much. No. No. Again, we were really small. This is okay. probably before 200K subs. So, I mean. Less it, than 5K, right? Oh, probably be like okay. Yeah. Dude, a lawyer would have been 20K to yeah. fight this exactly. thing. So it wouldn't have. We, yeah, yeah, we were not fine. getting any views on YouTube. Okay. It really wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Luckily, like. It's a good lesson to yeah. at least learn yeah. that early on. I mean, yes. a $5,000 lesson is really inexpensive. But yeah, definitely. For so sure. I think I found you guys shortly afterwards, just unknowingly through that killing prank of <laughs> Sam Pepper. Uh, no. Yeah. Yes. Could you walk us through? Because that, I remember seeing that at the time and thinking like, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. And I've never seen anything like it before. And I had mixed feelings on it because I was like, it's so intense, but it's also like, what a video. And it right. like, I, I think it blew up on YouTube at the time. It did. I think it, did. it had to be like the biggest thing on YouTube that year. Yeah. It's still on all the top 10 worst pranks ever pulled on YouTube. 10 like, years dude, later. Dude, I see this compilation. <laughs> 10 years <laughs> later. Horrible. And that was, this is a sunny V2 is like talking about this. Wait, he did? I think, oh, yeah, I think this is like the top 10. I, anytime someone mentions Sam Pepper, it's like. Ah, uh, yeah. It's just crazy that we did that in 2015 and. Now being 2024, it's like nine years later, this is following us. But no, the story was basically we, again, were very small on social media. And we were walking around, um, what's it called? The Santa Monica Promenade? Promenade? Yeah. 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 Walking around the Promenade and we saw Sam Pepper. He was 
big at the time. Huge. He was like he was one, one of the, the biggest. <clears throat> yes, like, I remember that. Is that the big U cake? Why is he yep. here? Yeah. We had no idea really about him. Yeah. But we were like, all we know is he's a big guy. And so we're like, yeah. let's go shoot let's our go shot. What's yeah. up? And he was like really taken aback by it. He was like, oh, what? And we were like, dude, for the last two years, we've been doing like public disturbance pranks and stuff. And I we, I think he did pranks at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're like, let's, let's do a prank. Like, what, whatever you want to do, let's, let's you know, do a collaboration. We had never really met another YouTuber. Yeah, he was excited. Like, we were kind of confused why he wanted to collab with us because we had like 200K or something mm-hmm. like that. Still um, a lot. Yeah. yeah. But, and, but he had like 2.2 million. So it was like yeah. two million more than us um and we didn't realize that he had like a little bit of controversy like surrounding his name um and that's why he was so stoked to just have somebody excited to film with them and so we got on like brainstorm calls of like how can we make the most viral prank ever like and we were just throwing out these the craziest most radical ideas and, and he was like so what what why do people like you and we're like well pretty much everyone follows us just for our, our friendship yeah. He's like, okay well the most worst thing that could possibly happen to a friendship <laughs> Someone dying in front of your eyes. Like we're not thinking extremes. And you guys like we're like that's good. Press send. Where's that contract? Oh god, that's horrible. Bad, very bad in retrospect. But if you think of it in a business perspective, it was low key genius because we did it on his channel. It got. 10 million views in one week yeah. on every single news station. We gained like 100 or 200K like instantly. So it like boosted us on YouTube. It's probably one of, if not still, the biggest exposure we've ever had. Oh, for uh, sure. Because like, it still gets talked about yeah. now, 10 years later. I think from a branding perspective, that was probably a genius idea. Yeah. I mean, very few ideas and concepts could be taken to that extreme to get that amount of reach and elicit that type of response everywhere exactly i mean that was probably a one billion view video when you really think about for sure all platforms all the people that have watched it multiple times over this whole last decade yeah for yeah. sure yeah no it's people still talk about it all the time and when we bring it up they're like oh i've seen that video i didn't know yeah. it was you yeah. guys. i didn't know it was you guys either. so yeah. yeah it took me a little bit to realize that was you guys yeah yeah, yeah. And same as the following fat people. I didn't, realize, I didn't, I didn't oh, realize that was you guys either. Yeah. I saw that and I thought that was the, I think I was in like middle school or something yeah. at the time. And I saw, I'm like, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I like, you know, Reviner yeah. or whatever, did all this stuff. And then I found out like probably four months ago that that was you guys. Oh, yeah. yeah. See, nobody knows. That. Nobody yeah. knows. Yeah. Now, if you're watching this right now, you might notice that we're extra clear today, and that's because we're filming in 4K. It's very expensive to do. We've reinvested a lot of money back into the channel to bring this to you. However, we were able to grow past 900,000 subscribers by just doing the basics. And if you want to be able to do something similar, then our sponsor, StreamYard, is there to help. StreamYard's a live streaming and content creation software that allows you to create high-quality content with just the click of a button. What's really cool about them is that all you need is a camera and an internet connection, and from there, you could stream directly from your browser. You're also able to stream throughout multiple social media platforms at the same time, from Instagram to Facebook to LinkedIn to YouTube and more, which, by the way, is really helpful because if you're not on all the platforms right now, you're missing out because you never know which one is going to take off and do the best. On a real note, though, we've been using them for years, like even way before they started sponsoring the channel. If you want to get started, they're the best way to do it for free with the link down below in the description. Again, we've been using StreamYard personally for years now and absolutely love them. And like we mentioned earlier, you could get started today for free with the link down below in the description. Thank you so much. And now let's get back to the episode. But Sam, people say you're an amazing actor. Thank you. Most people don't believe me that that was acting. They're still like, oh, he got traumatized. That was real. But I had tried to work on 
making myself cry for like three weeks before that prank. How do you how do you make yourself cry? Uh, it was you just can't even fun. do it anymore. Yeah, it's. It, I mean, I haven't tried in a very, very long time, but it's just like you watch tutorials on what you think about, how you get yourself in the zone. And there was like, while we were shooting that, you know, we did the first scene and then the second scene is the rooftop where Colby gets shot. And so while that was whole prep, that whole prep thing, I spent the, the, like 30 minutes by myself in a car listening to sad music, being like, I'm actually putting myself in that moment of if Colby died in front of my eyes. And so like, yes, it was acting, but it was also me like genuinely believing it was Which happening. is acting. Yeah. It was right. impressive. Like Method really acting. impressive. Yeah. I, I have to say, yeah, I did research on that clip earlier today. I watched it a few times and then I saw response videos, everything in the last like eight years, recent things now. And I go back to watch it even after I've seen everything. Mm. And I look at that and I still think, no, maybe maybe there's a chance that's that's real. Mm. And you're just saying this and, you know. There's some it, of our but it's so good, good friends that yeah. don't even believe really that, close friends that they're like, no, you can't lie to me. Like that wasn't acting. That was, you actually got traumatized. But cool, yeah. Believe what you want to believe. It's all good. But it's, it's just weird it's incredible. You yeah, can't do it now. Like I said, I like, watch that <laughs> and I cry. Like literally, we probably watched it six months ago, and I saw that. Like that guy is so so sad. Yeah, it's like messed what? up. It's messed up. And we thought it was gonna like. Like we'd have like more of a positive reaction, at least from our like peer, peers and family. Our peers I'm and family. I'm treating him with the best of intentions. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying I from like general it, yeah. audience, but like we thought like like we texted the simple pickup guys like afterwards, like hey, like look, like look at this big like marketing PR move or whatever, and they were like, guys, this is horrible. Why would you, why would you like, do what this? Are you doing? Like, yeah. our, our parents were pissed off. Dude, I like, think that happens to everybody. You go in and be like, this is fantastic. And then other people, yo, what did you just do? <laughs> yeah, it was exactly. a learning like, oh, experience it's, look for at sure. Look how well it did. Everyone is watching it. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, we got out of the prank world and started doing some things away from that. Yeah. Um, but that didn't turn out good either. We got arrested. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I noticed from after that you went to ab abandoned buildings. Mm -hmm. Whose idea was it to go and explore places you shouldn't be? So back in Kansas, other than going to this one mall, the only other thing to do was, you know, explore haunted houses and abandoned buildings and things like that. And there's not much to do in Kansas. So it was something that we had done quite frequently, actually, when we were kids and just mm -hmm. like with our buddies and so yeah after this random date he was like oh i took this girl to like a cool like place to explore what if we did this on our youtube channel yeah because we were like after the whole best friend prank thing mm -hmm. like for the next like two years we were just doing all the kind of corny like challenges that were a big thing in 2015 2016 like what girls like about guys like sort of things were you growing in viewership from that were you still riding no, that it was that pretty much stagnant. stagnant you were still riding that sam pepper video yeah, yeah. and i mean okay. we weren't like declining <laughs> and we still had like um before vine died we had 1.7 million on there mm -hmm. and so we had like kind of a core audience from vine that watched we had like about 100k people that would like watch our stuff i would say mm -hmm. yeah. maybe like 6 to 100k um but like we would just make this content that we did not like whatsoever and just felt kind of like corny to us people and could so tell we weren't super passionate about it yeah we weren't like super happy while filming it too so obviously you guys know this as well being youtubers and stuff is that like the audience can pick up on genuine emotion and if you're not having a good time doing something people can tell. And so I think that was kind of it where people like enjoyed watching us, but knew that we were in like the wrong sort of shtick or niche. Um, and so, yeah, I went on a date with this random girl and looked up this spot called um, Hell's Gate. It was like in pa Pasadena or something like that. Mm -hmm. And like, just like giant, like damn, that was like rumored to be cursed or whatever. Was this a first date? 
I think so. So you took a girl <laughs> so. to a. I really hope she was from Tinder. That would just make it. Yeah, first 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 date. Date. She's like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> we have super how, down. I'm like, how, what? How did she agree to that? Did she, was she just like. I no, well, I never saw her again afterwards. Probably not a good first date. But yeah, a couple days later, I was we were running out of YouTube ideas, and I was like, why don't we do this? And we tried it and genuinely had so much fun and had so much fun editing it, mm. too, like the post-production and all that. Um, and it did really well on our channel. 3x all of our other stuff. Okay, 300,000 so views. We're like, not only are we more happy doing it, but also we're getting such a better response. Yeah. And so we just kind of dove into it. We're like, wait, okay, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. The more that we're passionate about something and just genuinely interested in things it'll like do better yeah so we kind of ran with that and started exploring all over the united states and then even all around even want to talk australia to explore abandoned places yeah. i think we've done that for three years how do you find these places do people reach out and say hey i know this spot or do you research on your own so initially we had to research everything yeah. which was the worst part ever um <laughs> we hated it but after we did it for like six months. We just would get DMs and emails of people being like, oh, check this out here, check this out here. And then we met like, like shout out Exploring with Josh. Back then, like he was the the biggest like explorer. He still is, I would say. Like the biggest explorer like on YouTube. On YouTube, and he had a spreadsheet of like thousands of these abandoned spots, and he would be like super happy to help us if we were like, "Hey, man, like we're going to Cincinnati, where's like five spots around here?" He was like, "Go here, 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 here." When we first started, though, it was pretty run and gun. We were yeah. talking about this the other day. We'd like go to a spot, maybe we'd have one location, but we'd stay there for a week, and then the first night in the hotel room, we just look up on our computer abandoned spots and we'd try them and sometimes they were duds and so we'd go mm -hmm. to like five or six places in a day and only film maybe three uh but yeah. then you know we just try our best to get in uh just based on like reddit stories or thing google searches and stuff so yeah. Yeah. and how was growth during that time was it exponential like you guys just started growing really fast or was it still pretty linear so we got like our initial <clears throat> buzz off of the explore content or whatever but i think it was in combination with us moving into like a content house that we called the Trap House. Uh, mm. <laughs> not good for branding. Not a good brand. Okay. okay. All right. Uh, but it was 2017, so we were like 20 years old. Um, and yeah, we moved in with a bunch of like other YouTubers and um, this guy named Elton, who was like a part of a David's group at the time, the Vlog Squad. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so we would be featured on his channel a lot. And mm. at the time, correct me if I'm wrong, I think they had more subscribers than us, TFIL. Or, yeah, or at least got more views. But it was like we had, I think it was at least between five or six different channels. And we were all swapping views. We were all like collaborating on each other's channels. They would come explore with us. We'd come do, you mm -hmm. know, their stuff. And so this big collab house really helped. And then also we were. We were in a much smaller niche than we had ever been before. Like when you compete with everybody else that's doing challenges or, you know, mainstream type of videos, that's one thing. But like you said, maybe exploring with Josh and two or three other people were exploring. And so when we are the only one of the only people that are doing it, it's easier to rise. And we also figured yeah. out like how to make ourselves stand out a little bit more than the other people in the exploring niche. Like, for example, Josh. Um, and I would tell this <laughs> to his face like he knows this, of course, but he's very like documentary filming with his explorations. Like he'll start the video inside the place and like it's very slow paced and very informational based um he sam was, and I, he was focused more on branding and not getting arrested yeah. we didn't care about that we, we focused on showing the adventure of like running from the cops and like yeah. sneaking in and stuff like that so we were both doing the same sort of niche but we showed more of the adventure right i think that's why like 
we kind of paved our own lane. How did you get arrested? Uh, it was in Florida, Tampa, uh, Florida. Yeah, it's just a horrible. Yeah, so basically there was um, an abandoned school, and it was under construction, um, and it was in the middle of a neighborhood, and we should have looked this up before we had a team or anything, yeah. um, but apparently in the state of Florida, trespassing on a construction site is a felony. It's like a federal crime. Wow. We had no idea. And so we hopped a fence where all the, the signs said, like... In the middle of a neighborhood, too. Yeah, we were stupid. probably, like, 50 people watching us do this. And so when we hopped in, immediately, apparently, someone just called the cops. Yeah. So and within We talked about it before, minutes. too. Like, before we even, like... We were with two other guys as well. Yeah. Um, and we were all just like, is this a good idea? Like, there were signs everywhere being like, you will be arrested if you do this. And, we're <laughs> and like, did you Whatever. just not believe the signs? We or? believed it. Yeah. We've been Makes see- for good content. We've been exactly. seeing that exactly. sign for three years, mind you. Okay. Like, cause we, we hop every fence that says that well, you're going to be arrested. Yeah. And we never had been arrested. So and we like, had ran is- from multiple cops, like, in, in the past with that. So we were like, oh. Like- How do you run from cops? Do they not just, like pursue you i feel like no, you can't help run this is, this is like them? a muscle that when you practice it you get better so you just like you just get like faster faster running <laughs> better at hiding better at getting around yeah. people like i mean think about it the cop doesn't want to go inside the abandoned place they don't know who we are they don't know what we have in our backpacks so they wait outside mm-hmm. we True. know the abandoned spot and so we'll sneak our way around get out the back call a car whatever we had to do to get around yeah okay like, so it's not like a like a you know on foot chase no it's like it, you're it there and if a cop is yeah. like running yeah. right behind us we'd probably give up but we okay. would get around <laughs> them. okay well, so, so you're not gonna physically like run from the if they're well, like behind, right behind security, security guards, security guards, okay. we've, we've done that. So in this case, though, how is this one different? This was different because we we did exactly what you said. Um, we were looking out the windows and we saw like not just one or two cops like show up. It was like ten for some reason because it was the, a federal crime or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so we all hid in a janitor's closet and we were just like, if we just wait here for two hours, we're gonna be good. Believe, but. Then they got on their loudspeaker and was like, "We know you're you in ha- there. We know you're in there. You have two minutes before we send in the dogs." Oh, and we were like, "Oh fuck no!" <laughs> and we're like, "We cannot do dogs. No, like that's dogs, gonna kill us." Bro. That is the line. Like as soon as they said dogs, I we like stuck our hands out the window. Yep. Like, Sorry. <laughs> yeah. So as soon as they said dogs, we were just like, "All right, you got us." But usually, what happened in the past is, you know, we had we have little baby faces, especially when we were just twenty years old. Uh, and so we were like, okay, they're going to be fine. Like, usually we go up to them, we apologize and say, hey, we're just taking pictures. We didn't break anything. You can see our footage. We didn't, we didn't break anything to get in. We'll, we'll leave. And especially when we say we're from California, like, we're not going to come back to Florida. They're usually fine. Nah. These guys are just <laughs> complete assholes about yeah. it. And to, you know, to be fair, they're just going to make a lesson out of us. But they basically were like, I don't want to hear anything. Just shut up. Don't say anything. Get in the back of the cop car. Arrested mm-hmm. immediately. They didn't hear us out. They didn't hear uh, anything. What was that process like of like being handcuffed and go, like what was going through your mind? Well, it was interesting because we were um, all taken to different corners of the block so that we, when they all asked us like, why yeah. were you guys in there? We couldn't, you know, come up with all nice. different stories. Um, you might have had the sheriff who was the dick. I had the worst. He was an asshole. I had a deputy who was actually very nice to me and was just kind of like, oh, like I'm only doing this because like, 
Paul. That's good cop, bad cop, though. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's not a big deal, but just tell me what happened, man. Let's get this over with. And your guy was like, no, you gotta. Yeah. It seems like it's a tactic. But, and they all like left off pretty quickly yeah. to the jail, and I sat around for like thirty minutes, and then then my guy got a second call, so I went to go to another <laughs> crime scene. They got another guy arrested who was definitely on some crazy <laughs> drugs, and I was sitting in the back of the cop car, you know, hands behind my back with this other guy, and this guy's riling around, freaking <laughs> out, screaming. I didn't and know like, they they oh! mingle like different yeah. like people they arrest. So too. I was like, what? I have to be chilling next it's to like this guy a for shared next hour? Uber, you know? It's like, <laughs> Dude, yeah. Definitely, yeah, a crazy, crazy experience. The carpooling. Yeah, carpooling. So what happens when you get to the jail? Like, do, do the stories match, I assume? It's just like... Kind of. I mean, I got to the jail, like, probably an hour before you did. I was chilling with this dude for an hour. It was scary. But yeah. We got thrown in there. It was bad. And, you know, take the good old mug shots. And you Man. sit around in this, like, open area. It's like or, you know, the holding area before you get unhandcuffed. You get your orange jumpsuit, all the classic stuff they tried to take like all my piercings out but it like didn't work like they couldn't even take this one out mm. couldn't figure it out um and then they <laughs> called you up for bail and yeah. so they called me up you know they're like hey your bail's 2k you're gonna pay it i was like sure paid it so they're like okay you're gonna be released sometime today we'll give you a call they have colby come up and say okay you're gonna pay your bail i was like sure and it was 6k but the limit in order to pay by a credit card was five thousand dollars so or just to bail yourself out to jail. bail yourself mm. out in jail so he couldn't bail himself out in jail so he had to either call someone or i had to go out of the jail to bail him what Basically. was the difference so we both got trespassing charges but then i also had two fake id charges and which is so stupid because i was 22 at the time That's so i had a fake ids in my wallet just like to get in the clubs when I was like 20 or whatever for an entire year that I just forgot were in like the mm. back of my wallet. And so they were like, when they were like searching me, they were just like, cool, bro. Like, what is this? And I was like, it's two fake IDs. And those are felonies. So he had three felonies, felonies yeah. on his name. So I had the, yeah, $6,000 bail. He had 2000 So how do you get out of that? What, what ended up happening? Well, he got to go home and I got brought to the back and I had to sleep overnight with the guy that <laughs> he got Sam. my guy. So the guy that I was you arrested got his with, guy? yeah, we got paired in the same room. And so like I strategically like so there's one bunk, like a sink, a toilet. That's it. It's a very tiny uh, room. And like I strategically took like the bottom bunk so I could kind of like watch what was going yeah. on. Um, and he was just like. Like not to be mean, but like a schizophrenic, maybe had Tourette's sort of dude, where he'd just like every thirty minutes, I'd be like, Aah! like as I was like trying to sleep, and stuff. like horrifying, a horrifying. little scary. Very now, scary. are they restrained in there? Because I'm always curious if you're in with other people who are maybe a bit unhinged, or maybe not mentally there that. Maybe they should be restrained so that they can't just come up and like strangle you at night. So each like pod had a different yeah. sort of a. I don't know, like what people could go in there yeah. or whatever, uh, what type of people, I guess. And so the initial pod where I like spent the night, everybody was pretty cool. Everybody was like, besides the guy that was freaking out with me, he didn't do anything violent. He was just like definitely like mentally challenged or something. I don't know. Um, but then the next day I got my name called. I thought it was Sam that was going to bail me out. Um, but they were just like, Cole Brock, you got to go to a felon pod because you have three felons. And so that wow. pod that I got brought into was like where like murderers and things like that like again this was jail and not prison yeah. though yeah well, did you did you tell them what yeah. your other like uh roommate was in for yeah so uh just to rewind a little bit like the deputy took me to this like felon pod and 
he was just like, dude, you don't even look like you're supposed to be in here. And I was like, I know, I've trespassed. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm not. Yeah. And he was just like, I was like, do you have any advice for me? And he was just like, just go to your, your cell. Like, your buddy should be able to bail you out in like the next, you know, four or five hours. Just lay low, you'll be fine. And so I went and I grabbed like a random book. They had like books out in like the main like section of the pod, it was called. And I went to my cell. My guy wasn't in there. And I just like sat there for an hour heard the door jiggle and I was like, oh God, this is when I die. <laughs> this is when I'm going to meet this like cellmate. This guy walks in. He's like a, like a bigger dude, like bald head, but tatted all over, mm. like completely head to toe. Looks super mean. Um, and he was just like, what are you in for, man? I was like, trespassing. He was like, oh, I was smuggling like cocaine across the entire country. <laughs> and I was like, nice, man. That's, that's <laughs> fucking sick, dude. Oh my um, God. And then we just sparked up a conversation and he was super cool like he was like <laughs> obviously i'm not like saying yeah. criminals are cool or whatever but like he was just a normal ass dude and like once i explained like what i did yeah. online and stuff he was just like oh my god like that's awesome why don't you come out to the pod and like meet all my friends and i was like i don't know man like deputy told me to stay here and he was like yeah. just come on and so he brought me out to like the main pod and i met everybody and now what do you mean his friends like how long is he in there for to make friends um well he was in there for months um, because if nobody's there to bail you out, yeah. you oh, have to there stay until your court date. Until your court date. Yeah. yeah. And so his court date was scheduled for sometime the next year. I forget. forget. Um, and so he was in there for months already. And he said he had a group of friends. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and he was just like, trust me, we'll take you under our wing. Like nothing's going to happen to you. And so like, they were just like, he like literally shouted like as he brought me out. He was like, everybody come meet the YouTube kid. I was like, oh, God, no, this is when I die. Uh, but they were super nice. Yeah. And what were like, they in for? Shoot, I didn't I didn't ask like everybody. I'd be so curious. Very, like, Yo, why are you here? Why are you here? <laughs> what did you yeah. do? I don't know if you want to ask a fellow I was that. Afraid yeah. to, I was I afraid to ask. This, I don't think yeah. you do well in prison. Right? <laughs> Maybe not. You're a little yeah. too cute for prison. Man. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Jack, come on. <laughs> That's horrifying it was scary and did you learn anything from that whole experience i feel like that'd be kind of humanizing towards people in jail yeah like felons definitely i mean um the biggest thing i learned and again this is it's gonna sound bad but i'm just saying what i experienced is that like even though these people were arrested and could possibly go to prison for years or life who knows yeah. um they were all still normal people they were all still like shooting the shit just like anybody else would you know it's like it's people think that somebody that's committed one crime is just an evil person for life which of course it depends on the crime i'm not defending like all yeah, criminals sure. or whatever but at the same time it's like it's normal people in there so i just realized like we were just you know it was kids like my age that did worse crimes than me and we were just like playing basketball together and like shooting mm -hmm. the shit talking about or even social media did like you know, smaller stuff like there was this guy that was sitting next to you for a couple hours and he was like dude i've been in here for months and all i got was i was smoking weed yeah I'm like dude uh... Come on. And that, now it's pay, like pays bail. Now it's like, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, He's, some people are, I'm guessing. How, was, how much was bail for smoking weed? I don't know. Like, Shoot. I would I imagine that like I'm just saying, it's the like, time spent, you know, in jail and not working would be way higher than the bail that he could post and go out mm -hmm. and live his life. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But That's, I was only there for like five hours before. Did, Sam were Bale people out. not like sad about being in there? Because it seems like people are just like we were very. Sad. Like, uh, yeah. I would imagine we if like, someone's locked away for a few months that they would be maybe depressed or feeling, feeling really down or it's hard to be social. That's what you would think, yeah. but I mean, obviously, everybody has their own situation. Sometimes jail in prison for some people is like a, a home. 
for them because yeah. that's all they know. So it really depends on on the person, I guess. I know the guy, my cellmate, um, was really upset because he was um, dating this girl who was his fiance, and they were supposed to get married. And his like marriage date was while he was in jail waiting for court, and she couldn't bail him out. And so like they had to like postpone all that. So again, yeah. it just depends on the, okay. the person. Got it. And what ended up happening to those charges? Uh, <laughs> we ended up getting them dropped. Yeah, okay. they were dropped. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but what was really okay. cool is that arrest when we left. So Kobe didn't even know this, but mm-hmm. I, I got out probably after 12 hours. He got after about 24 hours. Yeah. Um, when we left in the middle of the night, hashtag free Sam and Colby was trending worldwide, number one. And we had never had that type of notoriety ever. And so we're like, oh my god and then so as soon as he got out too we posted like our mug shots mm-hmm. which was not a good idea we shouldn't have done that really but like we posted our mug shots and those went like viral everyone was talking about it, it was probably the biggest spotlight we'd ever been on that wasn't oh, for sure just like the best friend prank uh and then our next video like coming back to youtube we were averaging probably like 500k views at this 500 point. to 700k on the explore videos yeah. on the exploring videos and then we did the next video after that probably five million wow. in a month? Mm-hmm. So it's literally like overnight we like 10x our channel just from this one arrest. And it was, you know, don't get arrested, but this PR stunt of a, an arrest was probably the biggest thing that's ever happened to our channel. Why do you regret posting your mugshot? It seemed like there was nothing but positive. It was, you know, something you, you guys did a long time ago. And... Lawyer people yeah. saying, like, don't be proud of it because it'll be harder for us to get you out of the charges. Yeah. It was during the time. Fair. Because it, yeah. it doesn't show that you're probably re- as remorseful exactly. as you should be and taking yes. it seriously. And it's a bit of a, you know, because we were still making like, light of it. Yeah. Possibly going to go to court and stuff. And right. So like us being like, hey, social media what like, would have been what would have been the worst case scenario had they like had the charges not been dropped like what was the maximum for that something um, like that like I could mean, it be like theoretically the like 10 years in jail like, or like insane i think like a, f- a felon charge is like we could do 10 years you know like for a felon charge even if it is a trespassing thing so but no one really pays attention to the maximum because right. they knew like what we did was not a maximum felony, mm-hmm. you know. <laughs> right. But it could have been crazy. I'm just very glad we got out of it and yeah. then it turned out so well. And that did become a pivotal moment in our content as well. We stopped breaking into places because we yeah. can't get arrested a second time. So we started renting out places, and that's when we actually switched over to haunted. And mm-hmm. that basically start, started this whole career. Whose yeah. idea was it to do Haunted? How do you pivot from abandoned to Haunted? Like, I wouldn't um, think of that. I would really? just, I know, I would just go, like, we now get permission from the property owner and we maybe bring some exposure. Yeah, well, I mean, so we were doing the Explore for, like, two years before we got arrested or so. Um, and there was just multiple times that we would encounter creepy situations doing the Explore videos. And so we kind of, like, naturally ran into the Haunted aspect because if you're in like a scary ass place at 3 a.m. anyways, that's abandoned. Of course, when you hear a noise, it's gonna be like, "What's that?" Yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Like, and a lot of abandoned locations have haunted lore to it. So oh, that yeah, was part yeah, of true. our videos. Uh, towards the end, it was like every third video was like a haunted abandoned place. Yeah. And so part of the first aspect of of filming was all right, tell the story, tell them why it's creepy, and we're gonna go at this specific time because of the haunted lore. And mm-hmm. so, like, we kind of dabbled in the scary stuff before that, but then after, we're like, okay, full-fledged and haunted because we don't really have the option to do the yeah, uh, yeah. abandoned videos. What I don't understand is you guys seemingly, like, encountered a lot of adversity and failed several times. Like, the Vine thing, yeah. that got canceled. 
the sandpepper thing, a lot of people would see that and be like, this is cruel. Right. I don't want to watch these guys. I'm over it. I'm not a mm -hmm. fan anymore. That happened. You guys get arrested, which is just <laughs> objectively not a good thing. Nah. But somehow that turns into another pivotal moment in your career where it just like, it's a whole different level yeah. that it puts you guys at. Why do you think all of these bad things keep happening and they're just like consistently good for the career? Like how have you, how do you, do you intentionally use those as like catapults? Um, we did in the past. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to lie. Well, why did it work with you? That's a great question. I think Vine didn't work. The, the whole following fat people thing, like that was our first viral video ever. So we had like less than 2,000 followers before we posted that. And everybody hated us. Less than 200, us. yeah. Less than 200. Yeah. Everybody hated us after we posted that. And so like it didn't really work at first. But we took all that like notoriety and we changed our image slowly and like it was just a PR stunt. A lot yeah. of these were PR stunts, and it took a while for people to get gain respect back, especially after the falling fat people, especially after the killing best, best friend prank. It's probably six months before people were like, "Okay, I see they're good guys." For the arrest, I think it's intention. People have been watching us go in and out of abandoned places for three years. At that point, we're not breaking anything, we're not destroying anything, we're doing it because it's fun, and we get get out. We're not trying to hurt anybody. Yeah. And so when we got arrested for doing the exact same thing we were doing for three years, people realized, oh, they're not bad people. They're just like doing this to have fun. And then they got caught doing it. Yeah. It wasn't like we were out there selling drugs or doing something horrible. We were like, we walked into a building and then walked out. Yeah. Do you feel like if those sorts of things happened nowadays that it could be responded to differently? I feel I like so. these days people don't see nuance. They don't yeah. allow nuance to happen in a situation. They just want to see it, see what everyone else is calling it, and then like kind of just jump off. Yeah, I think timing for us was everything. Mm -hmm. I really, really fully believe if we posted following Fat People or like Killing Best Friend Prank, maybe Killing Best Friend Prank would be different, but especially following Fat People like now, with TikTok and everything, people would just be like, oh, that's crazy, and then just move on. You know? So you but think people are kind of desensitized to it? Like, it's got to be even sure. more extreme today to garner that sort yeah. of negativity. Because think about how much yeah. you see on, or maybe I'm personally speaking yeah. here, but just scrolling TikTok. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. The crazy stuff that you see every single day. But when we did that, nobody was doing it. And so it was just like, everybody was talking about us specifically doing that. But there's just so much content now. It's so saturated that I just don't think it's as easy to blow yeah. up. What was the first paranormal video you did? It was, so it was right after the arrest, we went to Biltmore, right? Yeah. Biltmore Hotel. Biltmore Hotel. It's How do you find that? Okay. Again, back, back to just our research days. Yeah. Before then, we were like, didn't have really suggestions for the haunted, so we went back to just, you know, researching Los Angeles places. And mm -hmm. just going, oh, what's the scariest place to go to? And at that point, when we first started, we didn't really, like, necessarily believe all that much. No, very skeptical. Um, yeah. Like we had like one or two like experiences and we were interested in it, but we were mm -hmm. like, okay, most of this stuff is probably hoo-ha, whatever. Uh, and then so when we went in there, a lot of stuff started happening and we were actually like so excited and you could see it on camera. It's like, wait, what? there's so, so much happening. We were with our other roommates and it was just such a fun time. And we're like, oh, we can not only like have a f the same old fun time that we have been with the abandoned videos, but also have this completely new experience we've never had before all that captured with the storytelling and we really, really changed our editing style mm -hmm. all came in to become a whole so different. So what happened there? Like why was it haunted and what was your experience? <clears throat> mm, it's hard to say because this was years and years and years yeah. ago, but I do remember a story of the Black Dahlia. Was yeah. that? The Black Bilt Dahlia Biltmore? like died at the Biltmore Hotel. She died in like an alley nearby the Biltmore Hotel and like was found with 
like cuts on her face that looked like a smile or something mm. like that. And, and but nobody knew how she died. That was like the biggest mystery. But there was tons of murders and just deaths in that hotel in general. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of cool things that happened in the first like eight weeks of like haunted. Like, we also didn't research that much when we first started. Like we had zero equipment. We kind of just went in there like us four, like us two and our roommates and with a camera mm-hmm. and just kind of like asked around and like heard some stories from like the employees and that was it. Like it's not like what you see us doing yeah. now. Yeah, the difference between oh. our first like investigations and then what we're doing now is night and day. I mean, it, we were just honestly just screwing yeah. around having yeah. a good time. So what was again. the moment that made you think, hey, wait a second, this could be real? Is there something that really stands out? The Queen Mary. There's right? been a bunch. The Queen Mary, I've heard, is very haunted. Yeah. Yes, right? Definitely. The Queen Mary was before we started the haunted stuff. That was probably, our f- actually, that was probably our first haunted video, but that was before the haunted era. Mm-hmm. It's probably like six months before we fully fledged into haunted. And that was definitely the first time we truly believed. Yeah. Um, we rented out this room called B340. Uh, it's bottom of the ship the queen mary allegedly had closed this room off for 30 years didn't let anybody stay in it because of weird deaths you know people taking their own life all those crazy things and then they reopened it um randomly and we got someone sent it over and they're like Mm. dude they reopened this after 30 years because it's so haunted i know you guys do exploring videos but you guys should try it out so the first week it opened we went in um all night we're trying things we're trying to like hear stuff we were genuinely like really interested because we had don't we didn't do too many haunted videos and we didn't really believe so we're like well, let's actually figure this out nothing happened and you know, this is probably eight hours of just waiting around trying to get nothing. something to happen and then we decided okay well i guess it didn't work so we turned off our cameras uh we walk about well, we're about to leave and then one of our roommates was like okay how about we just try off camera just by ourselves i know it's like 4 a.m but like let's just try and when we turned off our cameras and sat there and really, really focused, that's when we started hearing everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, we just sat there, we're like, all right, give us a sign. Like, this is our last shot, cameras are off, whatever. This is purely just for our own inten- intention. Water faucet, full, full on, turns on, like 15 feet away. We jump up, run over to the bathroom to go see it. And, you know, it's still dripping wet. And we're like, what mm-hmm. that was like a crazy sign that was before we even asked actually so it's mm-hmm. like we, we were packing up all of our bags we were just like all right this place isn't haunted it's like 3 a.m and like as soon as we turn off the camera and just like we're about to walk in the hallway that's when the water faucet turned on yeah. and so like we turned it on immediately and we were just like what and you can see like like everybody's basically like in tears and you can see the water still dripping and that's like what prompted us to be like okay wait this only happened off camera let's yeah. turn off the camera and then ask like questions in a very serious setting. Yeah, and then so then it started getting really yeah. real. Like people can probably say, water, water faucet in an old uh, ship, maybe it turns on. That's fine. Sure. But then we started asking specific signs, and we got this knocking to happen. And mm-hmm. so when we would ask, like, "Hey, can you give us a sign?" Immediately after, every single time, we'd hear a knock, and it would happen beneath our feet, on the ceiling outside on a window right next to us wherever it was all over the place but we then we decided to just have a conversation with thing and for 35 minutes the five of us sat alone and asked questions and got a response every single time to every single type of question and we try to trick it we'd ask you know you know is there one of you no okay is there multiple of you yes and when we get 
like confirming answers multiple times over a 35 minute course with every single question we ever asked getting an answer. Yeah. One knock being yes, multiple knocks being no. So it was. A Do you really think there's any chance that someone is in a nearby room? Or, you know, two people just kind of messing with you. Do you think that's a possibility? We were so skeptical yeah. that, and keep in mind, this is like 3.30, 4 a.m. Right. And again, it was like a, what, a 45-minute conversation, something like that? At least, yeah. I don't know. Something Maybe. like that. Yeah, 35 to 45, yeah. Something like that. But um, it was, the, the thing that, like, freaked us out the most is it was everywhere. So it's like, if there was somebody, There would have say, to be, hiding, like, at least 10 to 15 people. Because all around the room, the just like knocking. Yeah. But like, and we decided to like, okay, let's talk under our breath. So we would like be lower than a whisper and ask questions. And then the knocks would still happen, loud as can be. And there was one time when we were like, you know, like, do you, like, do you want us, like, this is our last question. This is our last question, unless you want us to stay. And the entire ground shook. It was like, boom. It was like huge. Yeah. It was almost like, a massive bookcase or something fell over yeah. and you could you can really hear us like on camera like which was cool because we didn't know we were being filmed or anything like that but one of our roommates recorded this audio and so we have the audio of the conversation and every single knock recorded and so you can like watch it back of our entire experience you would think how did a ghost would know hypothetically that like if something's recording or something right. not exactly right? I mean, it's hard to say, but yeah. like, obviously we didn't have the camera at this point. Right. Um, we were just, like, Sam and I and one of our other roommates thought we were just solely doing this, like, off camera, sure. like, in the dark or whatever. Yeah. But one of our friends just, like, slowly grabbed his phone and just, like, Good. audio recorded. Yeah. And so I don't know if, like, the ghost didn't see that or whatever, but yeah. we got everything. So did this turn you into a believer? Because I know you've always been a little bit more of a believer than Sam has. Definitely, yeah. So this convinced you. Yeah, no, I, w I was convinced, especially because um, towards the end, mm -hmm. um, our roommates were like asking more like spiritual or like semi-religious questions um, and like got into questions about like heaven and hell. And I remember a specific question uh, one of our roommates asked was like, is hell real or is heaven real? And it said no. And then we immediately ran away and everybody was just like, oh, that was like a demon we were talking to. Like they were trying to like steer us away from God. And so for me, I've always been Christian, like born and yeah. raised Christian. Um, and so like that was just kind of a hmm. solidifier. Yeah, yeah. And what did it do for you? Um, that completely changed my life. Yeah, I had not believed in anything before that. Uh, I wasn't religious at all. I was open to the idea. Mm -hmm. I, I wanted it to be real more than anything. Uh, but I never really had anything to convince me otherwise. Mm -hmm. And so after that, there's literally a video of me like fully breaking down on camera, like on my bedroom floor, being like, I've I've never believed in anything. And this truly convinced me. I had my family come out and I, I talked to them all about this experience, how much it changed my life, everything. Uh, and that's honestly what really got me into wanting to do this paranormal stuff, just because that was probably, even though it was kind of negative, the things that we were hearing from this thing, whatever we were talking to, it gave me more of a sense of hope than I ever had before because I never really believed in anything. And so this whole journey, this whole process of us doing paranormal ghost hunting, of course, great for business. It's really, really cool with the videos. But I think people can tell that we're generally interested in this, genuinely interested in this because of how much it affected me and, and you and just our religious beliefs like we want this to be real more than anything so like, why do you why want it to be real because i don't want to believe that when we die it's black because that is not very hopeful 
And so when I hear these things or see these things that make me believe that there might be something more, it gives me hope. Mm-hmm. But isn't that kind of what religion is just in a sense? Yeah. I am unable to just take the words of a book and say that that is real. I'm like, everyone else you need is some too. form of proof. proof. Yeah. I need proof and I want proof. It's, and I know that's so sad. Like that. yeah. It's never perfect proof. That's the thing that just is really hard for me to like accept, mm-hmm. you know, with all of this information. It's never something that you can visually see, you know what I mean? Or it's like right. like a voice. It's always knocks or it's always like a curtain moving right. or a faucet turning on or a door shutting or something like that. Well, how do you explain some of uh, some of these things where they test for people who can they're, – they're in the hospital room mm-hmm. and they're being operated on and then they could repeat back to the doctor exactly what they did. Yeah. Or they, they yes. listened to the doctor and they heard certain things and they <laughs> saw what they were doing even though this person was like dead or I've also heard stories of um, kids being spoken to mm-hmm. and can recall past life experiences in such vivid detail, and these kids never would have experienced right. that. Yeah. Yeah. Or so, oh, there's one kid I think who knew a language that like didn't exist for like a thousand years and could speak it fluently, and it took like some doctor at some college to uncover like, wait, he's speaking this language that that just there's no textbook out there that really goes into this. Right. So like some of these things I feel like are pretty definitive, not a hundred percent, but like really out there. I think humans naturally have some desire to be spiritual Mm -hmm. or to believe in spirits in some capacity. And I think it's the same justification for religion, which I think has been the best justification I've ever heard in my entire life. And I've explained this to you before, but it's, if God were to just present himself and stop all of these catastrophes from happening, let's say like a war, like a kid getting, you know, I don't know, something injured happened. or something yeah, like sure. that. Like if a God just came in and stopped that every single time, then it would show that God is real and it right. wouldn't be faith anymore. It would just be a matter of fact. It right. would just be what is. But I think that there needs to be this component component of faith and spirituality yeah. in every single human. I think it's just a part of existence is to believe in something that's supernatural, something that's meta and not like physically real in the same way that if these spirits were to just show up and be like, Oh, by the way, we're just here. How's Mm -hmm. it going? Nice Mm -hmm. to see you. Like, you know, I died a hundred years ago, but I'm just saying hello. Like it would not be faith anymore. For sure. It would just be a matter of fact. No, you hit that like right on the nose. I feel like if we all had the answers, then like, we'd be like, well, why are we here? I was going to say, we talked about this a lot recently. We had a very, very intense experience this year as well that talked a lot about these concepts but i think if you have proof then our human life doesn't matter anymore but if you only have faith if you only are believing Mm -hmm. then that doubt forces you to act a certain way Mm -hmm. but if you know one thousand percent you're going to heaven no matter what and it's perfect there's no pain what's the what's the point what's what why don't you you know I don't know. That's a good well, point. Why don't yeah. you, you just jump in front of a bus or something like that? Yeah. And it's like, hey, start over again. Exactly. exactly. But yeah. having that faith or having that 1% doubt um, that faith really yeah. is makes you be like, well, I don't want to because what if it is all black? Because yeah. mm-hmm. that, that, that fear of the, the blackness and the fear that it's this is your one shot makes you value your time as a human so much more. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think happens when you die? Well, my view has changed a lot this year. Okay. Um, it's it's a huge roller coaster. But what I want to believe is that we, our souls, go somewhere else. That we still have at least a memory 
of what this mm-hmm. is. I don't necessarily believe in reincarnation, but I do hope that there is a way that we are reunited with our loved ones at one point. I don't know if that's heaven, if what God is up there, but I believe that now. Yeah. What do you believe? I believe in something more. Obviously, I'm born and raised Christian, so yeah. I tend to stick with like what the Bible says, um, but I'm very loosely Christian as well. Sure. So like, I believe it's more of a relationship rather than a religion, um, but it's just like, I, I, this is going to sound crazy, and I, I know some people like listening, or maybe you guys like understand what I'm talking about, but like, I almost just like know there's something more. Like I can almost right, like you feel, feel it, right? yeah, yeah. Or like when I talk to to God or the universe or whoever, like you think, whatever. Like I can feel like I'm being heard, and like I went through some crazy shit, shit this year as well, right. and I know that like something greater was like helping yeah. me through it. I tend to believe the same thing. I think there's something bigger out there. I personally believe in reincarnation. Yeah. I like the idea that if something happens, that you would be able to come back Mm -hmm. as something else and maybe live a different experience. Mm. I really like that. I think it can all coincide too. Like this is getting like super meta and deep, but like I think what if what if there's a possibility that you can reincarnate so many times until your soul reaches like a certain level to where you move on to heaven? I'd love that. Something like that. You know it can all coincide. I think it could be infinite. I mean, the number of lives that you could live throughout all of history, I think is, is it, we can't even comprehend how many experiences that could be. Or here's, yeah. here's a weird thought. Yeah. So there's this like video that describes this way better than I'm about to. It's called The Egg by In A Nutshell. But what if we are all the same person and we just don't remember each other's lives? What if I am Sam and I live this life, yeah. but I, don't just re- I just never remember me being Graham. But we are the same soul and all these humans are now you know, working together. How is that different from the matrix where someone is just plugged in and (laughs) all the experiences are just in their head? Maybe it's not, you know, or maybe this is all just like a simulation. I've heard about the egg theory. It might've been you that said it to me. I definitely have. That was never, I never have any like religious talk. We have definitely talked about the egg. It's my favorite video of all time. Highly recommend. Okay. That was definitely you then. But that's my, my subconscious thought, unfortunately, I'll just be the one to say it, mm-hmm. is that it's just blackness. And I've died in dreams before, like several times, and not like... <laughs> with, Damn. Which is a weird <laughs> okay, feeling. Okay, you want to talk about now, it? Now, obviously, yeah, like, that's... I've died in dreams, too. Yeah. It's terrifying. And it's it's, it's a weird, like... It, to me, it felt like a roller coaster. Like, you know that drop? Kind of like that's how, mm-hmm. that's how I felt mm-hmm. when I was dying in a dream. Mm-hmm. And I wake up and just... I hated it. Okay. Yeah. I've had that experience when I, I <laughs> that was a long, I, that yeah. was a Bloody Mary dream. Remember when we were all scared of Bloody Mary? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I got oh killed God. by Bloody Mary That's when I was so like 12 scary. and I fell out of the bed. Oh, oh God. Yeah. And it, when, wow. right when I got stabbed by Bloody Mary, I felt the impact and I woke up and I was on the floor. Oh, so it was me falling yeah. on the floor and then my dream compensated for that physical feeling sure. with some like mental yeah. projection. But in the other dreams, most of the recent dreams when I, when I die, um, it's weird. I get, please comment if you've experienced this too. Everything just kind of goes like a deep red, darker color, like a dark and deep red color. Wait, you, and you feel warmth. You feel after you die in a dream. Every time I've ever died, mm-hmm. I wake Woken up. up. No, yeah. no. So, so it, I wake up, but shortly after I feel this feeling. So like mm-hmm. one of them was a plane crash. Another one was, there was just a nuke. That just hit the city. I was. Yes, and I've, I've had, those, those, I've had yeah. those dreams too. Yeah, we. Wa- I yeah, I was on top watched, of the hill watching. That's the whole creepy hell, too. Yeah. I was that's on top crazy. of the hill. I was. I was at my parents' I house. I hope that's not. We're not and, foreshadowing. And something. I was just oh, looking God. over the horizon, and then just coming from the sky, just and I, I look, and I'm just by myself. No one's around me. I'm just like, is this really 
all that it is and then just hits the ground and and i just vaporized oh my everything God. goes like a deep dark red i sound like such a woo-woo right now but like yeah, no, and then it. i feel warmth all over my body and just feel like warm and red mm. and then three seconds later i just wake up and i'm like that was mortifying. Yeah. <laughs> that was horrible. It I hated feels that. so real that I'm worried that I just see into the future. Yeah. Because sometimes I've had deja vus where I'm like, this has happened before. Where did this happen? And be like, well, I think this was in a dream. I think I had dreamt this and now it's happening. So are my dreams maybe things that have happened or that might happen? I freak out over that. Sometimes I've even woken up and for the first like 20 seconds it feels like i have it all figured out mm -hmm. like i'm just like i saw some shit i should never have seen and i like i know everything it's like everything makes sense and then as soon as i think about something else where i'm like i want to write this down or i want to take a note and just the thought of like where's my phone i forget it instantly mm, right. i don't know if you've ever had that before yeah definitely instantly forgetting i've never died in my dreams before really i, <laughs> I feel like it's so. a common thing yeah. i've like had falling yeah. dreams where like you can feel the rush of actually right. falling. Have died in your dreams? I don't think so. I always wake up before I hit the ground. I die like a couple times a year. There <laughs> 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 must be some psychology. Yeah, 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 right? Mine is probably once every other year. Really? May maybe once a year. Wow. Where there's like something that happens. And Shoot. That's you, scary. You, you, you can tell between us that I fear death more than you do. If you yeah. never, talk, never yeah. think about it, and I think about it all the time. Yeah, but all of mine are in different ways. I've never had a dream where I've died in the same way. Hmm. It's all different. That's hmm. so weird. Yeah, when when I used to not believe in an afterlife, the main like thought process that it went through that is someone once said, like, it's so funny. This is their argument, not mine. But it's so funny that humans are so selfish that they think they're important enough to go on and like have all these other lives and all this afterlife and stuff. Why don't you just think that you're just an organism, and then you die. Just cosmic dust. Yeah. Can't, like, why not? And everything come back, technically? Like, technically? I, I, I don't I don't have any oh, doubt that, like, if do a you spider a dies. Yeah. I do. I, I think everything is alive. So, like, mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, like, you know, so, something like an ant, I think if you kill an ant, I think the ant has a soul just like anything else. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, That's why I can never kill insects. Energy, like, like scientifically anything. cannot be destroyed yeah. it can only be like transformed right. into other things mm -hmm. and so like obviously when our souls if you consider a soul being energy like there's actually tests i don't know what it's called so like don't quote me on this but like i think there's a little bit of weight from your body that like, yeah. gets removed they've measured you die. they've measured the soul so there is yeah. a, a, certainly a soul that everybody has and if energy can't die then it has to go somewhere yeah it's one of the reasons i can never kill insects ever it's just like that one little ant, mm -hmm. I'll find it and take it outside. Because I'm thinking, what if that is someone I knew in a past life? Or like, so, I know yeah. it sounds crazy. It sounds <laughs> crazy. <Jerry>. But, like, <laughs> but like, do you, you have to call Jack but, like, to come you over? Never know, but, flies. but I see that there's a life. Why yeah. would I take a life when I could just for 10 seconds take it outside? That's, That's true. true. And it cost me true. nothing to do wow. that. Graham's and it's just nice 10 person. seconds. That's really nice. Oh, hit the like button for that, guys. Hit the like button, please. Subscribe. We got to get back. That's what you guys are doing right yeah. now. Okay. Wait, I, I want to know this because this is this ties into exactly yes. what you're going to say. Yeah. How do you test for ghosts? Test for them. Like all the equipment? equipment? All the like equipment. That? I've seen you You come up with so many things for like uh, the infrared cameras, some of the clicky things, <laughs> yeah. some of the things you set down. <laughs> the the how, EMF meters. Yeah. 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 What is, like what's the most common? How do you learn how to do this? How does it test? What does it show you? That's a great question. We've been, you know, 
we started at nothing and mm-hmm. then it's a bunch of equipment, a bunch of different tests, theories, experiments, everything. And, and what we try to do is we try to not just stick to like the main cliche, like ghost hunting equipment, but there are like, so the main thing is just ghost equipment. Most of them tests for either motion, sound, like movements or EMF energy, electromagnetic frequencies. Uh, it's said that anything in any object in any litter carries a little bit of electromagnetic frequencies. So when things change in an environment that should not have to change, that's where you can detect something different. Mm-hmm. But like we like to use our own senses and different, you know, experiments and tests for things that are easier seen and easier believed by people that you know, maybe think ghost equipment would be rigged. So we use one of our favorite things is like these flashlights. We have a flashlight that turns on and turns off uh, just by twisting it. We'll set it down and ask the spirits to turn the flashlight on and then turn it back off and it, and it will in front of our eyes. And it's just like absolutely insane. Or we'll have like cat toys, like toys that are designed for pets. Mm. And when you hit it, or when, it, when something like actively like you know makes it move, it'll light up. And we'll just put those around. And so if things like we're outside of the room and we're like, hey, go touch that little cat toy, and it turns on, that way we kind of understand that it's not a piece of a ghost equipment piece of ghost equipment that maybe someone developed, you know, specifically for this or entertainment purposes. We try to use everyday objects as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, yeah. The best um, thing that we use, the fan favorite, is something called the Estes method, where we basically like get rid of all of our senses. Um, where we have like noise canceling headphones on, we have blindfolds, and so basically the person wearing the headphones can only hear like a radio station just flipping through like AM radio super quickly. So it sounds like like going through channels, and then every once in a while. Like on a certain like radio show, you'll hear just like a word like pop through and you just say the word that you hear. But then the people that are outside of the person with the headphones will ask questions. So being like if Sam's like outside and it's like, is anybody here? And I'm just like listening to these radio. I could be like over there or like my name's Spa or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's like whatever I hear, I just blurt out. And most of the time it doesn't work. And that probably just means nothing's there. But when mm-hmm. the consistencies happen over and over and over and over again for a span of 30 minutes and it's just perfect communication, that's when people maybe were saying, oh, yeah. there I also might be something think more. That's yeah. what people don't understand about our videos is that we film for hours and hours and hours. And then we just put kind of like the highlight reel yeah. all together in one hour. And so like we might be doing the Estes method for two hours, but only include like 10 minutes of it and include all like the best stuff that we got. Um, but yeah, usually you just like hear yeah. static and nothing. How hard is it for people just to trust you not to hear the questions and that you're not just blurting out words in response to that? Um, I think people trust us because, first of all, like we've always been genuine about everything that we do um, with the haunted side of like YouTube. But also we have guests that come with us every single week yeah. or every single month, I guess. Um, where like we have them do it too. And so it's like, if you don't believe us, they're doing like, we make them do it and the same thing happens Mm -hmm. to them and it still works out perfectly. Mm. So it's like, if you don't believe us, do you you believe Do you have the recordings of the audio going through your headset so people hear what it sounds like on your end? No. That would be incredible. That's what I was kind of thinking. Um, We should do that. Because I watched you do that in The Conjuring House. Yeah. I think you've mentioned like, don't or leave or something like this. And I was kind of thinking it would be interesting to hear what you're hearing. Mm. And like, shh, don't, shh, leave. Like, 
you know, in time, I think that would be pretty yeah. interesting. That is That's a really good we idea. Should yeah. yeah, we should do that. We've yeah. never done that. We'll credit you. Yeah, please. <laughs> <There> you <go>. <laughs> Help <laughs> us get to a million subscribers. That's, there all there you have go. To do. That's, all. That's all we want to do. Oh, that, that is good. So what else do you do in addition to that? Do you find that some of the traditional ghost equipment is not as accurate or do you feel like it's a little well, too like hypey or like why not use the EMF, right? That's the clicking. Yeah, so thing, the EMF is just like the meter. It doesn't make any noise. Yeah. All it does is just like light up. Like, for example, if we were to put it up against these lights, it would probably go off like crazy yeah. or like next to an outlet. But if it were to go off like where there was no like wires or any technology or whatever around, that's when it's something considered like paranormal. That is the most... Like it's the cheapest ghost equipment you can get, okay. and it's just like it's, the most I mean, you common. You can buy EMF detectors at Home Depot too. Yeah, like the ones that we get are they look different, but yeah, like it's a normal thing as well. Yeah, but what's interesting is like um, again, we've been doing this for now like four or five years since we got arrested or whatever, um, and just recently. <laughs> I love how you always throw that. We got arrested. After we got arrested, <laughs> for for us it's weird. Okay, I'm backtracking yeah, a little okay. bit, but like our life. Like has li- I say life? That's yeah, live, like the same life, pretty lives. much. Our yeah. life together, married yeah. couple. <laughs> pretty much, it's like has been in chapters, and so like we usually say like after the arrest, it's like our big like <laughs> chapter or whatever of haunted. But like we've met so many people this past six months, even who say, guys, do not use any equipment whatsoever. Just be open to it. Like and that's, that's all you we need started to do. at the Queen Mary when we had our yeah. biggest experience ever. It was literally just us asking out. You know, really focusing mm-hmm. in, and some of those have been the crazy experience, craziest experiences. Yeah. And again, I think the the main thing is just trying to believe, like being open minded <laughs> to it, and really being like, there could be something here. Let me try to talk to it. If there's anybody in the room that doesn't have like that same sort of mindset, it might not work. Yeah. What do you think is the most haunted place in the world? Conjuring. The house. Conjuring House. Yeah. We spent a week there this last year, and it completely changed our lives mm-hmm. and i mean we've been there now three four times three times yeah three times three times well four times because we came back so we came year. back and every four single times. time it is by far the craziest experience uh, every time so tell me to not say this if i can't say it but something that happened after you guys came back was sam reached out to me and he was like yo you have to come over because we're just doing like a very close little watch party of this footage because it's that insane Mm -hmm. we're not filming anything we're just looking at it because it makes absolutely no sense Mm -hmm. and to me i was like wow like this Mm -hmm. seems like a whole different level it's like not for content it no uh no being like super emotional or anything. It's just like literally just come over and watch this footage with us yep. to see it's like real. So I come over, bring a couple of friends and then you didn't like bring me, Jack, 10 of us. Ten, I, I think you were like out of town or something. No, I definitely, <laughs> yeah. A couple of friends. I see. How anyway, we, co- we come over, wow. we watch this footage and, uh, it, it like blew my mind that you were throwing on this like tiny little close in event, not for content. And yeah. I watched the footage and then Sam, you obviously too, like, you guys are like freaking out over this. For context, if anyone is watching, this is like Cody Satori method in the conjuring house. Yes. Yeah. And then also like, I remember like a week or so later, like you asked me to go to dinner with you and we just talk about it through dinner and then we hang out, we talk about it. It was like, like that for me was the point where I actually kind of started believing it. Cause I've been historically extremely just skeptical when it comes to stuff like this. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it can make this much of a transformation on somebody's life, especially when there was no motivation for him to want me to believe it. Right. It was just coming from a very personal experience when you were explaining it to me. It's like, then it completely changed. What was the real story behind the conjuring? I know you've said this before, but for people who haven't seen it, 
what's the true story for people who have maybe seen the movie? I know it's not exactly one-to-one. Not at all. Yeah. yeah. It's completely different than the movie, but like there was just generations of families that lived at this place called the Old Arnold Estate. I think it was deeded in like the 1800s sometime. I believe. Yeah, and basically it was on the ground of one of the bloodiest, I think the bloodiest war per capita in the United States. King Philip's War. So tons of people died there. The land was just said because of that to hold a lot of trauma. Mm -hmm. There wasn't like in the movies, there's like this witch that Mm -hmm. curses everybody and attacks everything, whatever. That's not necessarily true. Right. But yeah, there's so many people that died there, generations and generations of people that died there, and then the Perrin family uh exorcism yes well it was like a seance it was a seance pretty much they, they call it the exorcism but like it was pretty much a seance it was in the 1970s if you've seen the conjuring movies yeah. the parent family is pr- very prominent in that and um what really made it famous is there were these papping ghost hunters back in the day or they're demonologists uh named ed and lorraine warren and so they came to the rhode island house to investigate it on Halloween night, did this seance where Carolyn Perrin was, who was the mom, and it was like a family of like five, right? Mm-hmm. Five or so people, um, levitated and like got flung across the room and was speaking in tongues and stuff like that. Yeah, basically she was possessed by something. Um, we got the opportunity to uh, interview Andrea, Andrea yeah, Perrin, Andrea. and she thinks that whatever medium was controlling the situation brought in something evil trying to figure out why it was haunted, mm. like opened up some sort of portal, and that's like what possessed her her mother. Um, but there's a bunch of different theories of like what dark energy could be there. And what we found out, not to spill the beans, is that like it's actually not a super, super dark energy at all um, in the house itself. There's a trickster in the basement who likes to play games on people um, but it really is like less evil than everybody makes it out to be. So it's not a dangerous house, you feel? It's just incredibly active. And yeah. um, I think the trickster could be dangerous if you got on his bad side. There but. is a weird. There is a weird point uh, in one of our videos that whatever was in the basement was telling us over and over and over again to come out to the woods alone. Uh, and wouldn't tell us why. And we asked all the staff and the owners and stuff, and they said, yeah, they tell us that all the time, but we are too afraid to actually go out into the woods alone at night, and we haven't tested how do, it. How do they tell you to go out in the woods alone? So that's kind of <laughs> backing up again. Did you see The Conjuring? Yes. Stuff? So Off you know the, on, yeah. the Cody and Satori method, I like did. the knocking? Yeah. So we basically had them go downstairs. Context for the people that haven't seen it. Yeah. We met this couple that when they touch each other, in any sense, that's so bad. Touch each other's hands. We wouldn't touch each other's hands yeah. or in, in any way, really. They embrace. They make any contact yeah. in any way. Um, it opens up some sort of like spiritual connection where you just hear knocking coming from everywhere, kind of like the Queen yeah. Mary experience. It basically opens up whatever we had happen to us at the Queen Mary Except on command. Immediately. It's, again, to what Jack was saying, it's something we've never seen before. We yep. freaked out when we first saw it. We flew home we told friends like this is something we've never seen before and it was like like if it were happening in this room like you could hear it coming from the door walking over it wasn't Mm -hmm. like in one spot that's the part that's weird is that directional sound yeah people yeah i heard some of the theories on that that they said maybe it was their ankle 
like mm. cracking and they could yeah. crack that on command or maybe they had like a little thing in their toe that yep. they just would like press some put some pressure on and there was something that would knock right yeah. and we, we saw all of that as well yeah. we even made a video like talking about everybody trying to debunk them and stuff yeah. um as far as we know we can't debunk it but we also can't 1000 percent prove like this is real I don't see how it can be popping joints, and that's just something that people are going to have to take my word for, yeah. because you could hear it everywhere. Yeah, like, it's, it's like it foot, footsteps in... walking into a room, coming closer, louder. Mm -hmm. You can feel it on your yeah. feet, and it can happen in different areas as well. Didn't outside. you test this? You tested this outside. We tested everywhere. outside, different parks, on concrete. Do you test on... without shoes? Yes. Yes. Um, and we're hopefully going to be able to like put out a video about that sometime. In the future, we talked to Cody's story a lot about all these different things because it's so very you, controversial. You did all of these debunking methods. Yes, yeah. yes. And nothing, and nothing convinced us that it was fake. Mm -hmm. Couldn't figure it out. And so for those also for context, you would go through the alphabet and then a knock would happen at a certain letter. And then when you combine all of these letters together, yeah. you can create words and sentences. And yes. that's how you were talking with the spirits or whatever. Is it? existing Correct. yeah not right. in the physical realm. once for yes twice for no and then we'd go through the alphabet to spell words so yeah. we would end up having like hour-long conversations Minimum. with full sentences yeah. and people describing our lives and different things that happened to them or loved ones coming through which was crazy yeah it definitely changed our perspective on the paranormal and became quite literally the biggest thing that happened in the paranormal world ever yeah, and yeah, that's not even us like tooting our own horn. Like yeah. this was so profound for everybody right. that like we basically like Cody and Satori have been around for a while, um, but they've only really started showing people that they could do this trick ability, whatever you want to call it, for what like the, a year and a half, two years maybe, maybe the, in very private settings. So we were like the first people to really like put them in a spotlight on YouTube. Yeah, on YouTube, they've done it on. Um, so Satori's dad does ghost hunters as well mm -hmm. so they've done it on his show um but yeah we were the ones that really kind of showcased it on youtube and so in the youtube paranormal world this was the biggest thing ever mm -hmm. everybody was trying to debunk it or trying to figure out like yeah i saw some where they said that you would have to give names so they could like research certain people but bella because you can't look at her family history that's why they didn't read her because right. they couldn't find the information on her mm -hmm. but everything yeah. else they could theoretically Exactly. In, Memorize. In that, exactly. Yes. And then so that's why we went back and we tested them yeah. for different theories like that. We took them to random places when we didn't tell them anything beforehand and didn't tell them any addresses and stuff. And we tested them to see if they could find out things about that location that obviously they would not know we were taking them to. Mm -hmm. And it happened over and over and over again perfectly well. How much would they cost to book if if I wanted to have them come out somewhere or just for me? Sure, that's like me and Macy privately. They, they don't do the private readings for no anybody. like you can't like say like hey let me give you a, a grand and they'll do it for you they just yeah. don't do that yeah um but yeah and truthfully are. like again not trying to toot our own horn yeah. but like after our videos released like i think they like changed a lot of like i think they're not in hiding i want to say yeah. but like they're they were like employees of the conjuring house and they definitely have to you know, back up because of that. Because so people just people show are up asking to the house. them to yeah. do that. They're like every person that they like, come in contact with is yeah. like, do it for me, do it for me, do it for me. And it's like I bet because I'm that way where you know I'd like to believe it, but I'm also skeptical. And if it happened to me and I see it, I have right fine. Then I'd be like, oh no, that's it, dude. Exactly. That's one thing. I'm about. not going to be the one to like fall for it. Like right. I'm that one, and I'm like, oh, I want to do it so badly. Yeah. That's one thing that yeah. like, we like. Uh, we said in our one of a video, but just want to put that out there. If we did not see this in person. 
we wouldn't believe it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The only reason we believe this is because it happened to us over and mm-hmm. over and over again for hours, every single day for a week. Mm-hmm. And then we went back and it happened to us again for hours and hours and hours in every test that we wanted. Mm-hmm. So like, of course, people online are not going to believe this. We wouldn't either. Yeah. But seeing it firsthand, that's why we have such the you know, passion for it, like Jack was exp- explaining, where yeah. we're taking small groups and showing them and being like, wait, this mm-hmm. is really different. Because it, it truly is. Yeah. Like everything we've experienced has definitely led us to want to believe more and believe mm-hmm. more in the paranormal. This was the first one that we felt was pretty close to confirmation. Yeah. Nearly just undeniable. Yeah. Basically. Exactly. But again, like kind of going full circle to your point. Nearly. What's interesting is they never, ever gave us 100% proof because you're not supposed to know, yeah. in my opinion. We had a lot of conversations with them after the fact, you know, we you know, became decently close with them over that week. And we talked about that a lot. Like, I don't think the entire world is supposed to have proof because that ruins the human experience. Mm-hmm. It could also cause major conflict. If you think about it, let's say like Cody and Satori were like, Christianity is the answer. You know, that's like everybody would like that would start a world war if mm-hmm. they were yeah. right. And like you know? scientists back this up and they say yes. we've confirmed proof from the paranormal. World this war is III. the way it is. Instantly. Yeah. Like I know that sounds dramatic, but I'm being serious. Like most And they would probably wars, be assassinated, is my guess. Yeah. yeah. Most wars have, have been religious conflict. That's why they start. So like I don't think we're meant to like have the answer. Which no. makes things so much more special. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. if you don't have all the answers, it makes every part of life more interesting. Yeah. So, so I was talking to Jack about this. Who bought the conjuring house? Uh, it was a lady named Jacqueline Nunez. Um, so the there was a family called the Heinzens that lived there when we first went a couple times. Um, and then they uh, lived in the house just casually. They lived in the house <laughs> and the dad started getting like health issues living in the house. I'm not sure exactly what yeah. he had. And so they ended up moving away to deal with his health, and they still are a, a big part of it. Yeah. Huge part. Okay. Like the kids, like still work. Now, there. Were the health issues to do with the house, or this is just they think, think hey, you know, it's just like, him. hey, maybe yeah. old age, something happened. I I don't even okay. know what he has, yeah, but don't want to speak out of the past. Okay. Yeah. yeah fair. I mean, you could say so, yeah. but I don't think so. Okay. Um. But yeah, then like a lady named Jacqueline Nunez like moved in and um. I don't know her background really, but she was just super into like spiritualism and um, knew that this house had something or she claims that it has something very special. Like the entire property yeah. is like a giant portal. Did she buy something. it before the movie came out? Um, uh, no, no. no. She after. just bought it like a year and a half ago. All I the f- movies I, happened like a decade ago. I, but I feel like that would have to be like a really expensive sale. Right? Yeah. Like we, like, actually, we, were, we were trying to buy it. <laughs> You were actually trying to buy the house. So, what was the process like of like buying the Conjuring house? <laughs> well, so we did our two Conjuring videos in 2021, and they were our biggest thing that ever happened to our channel. And then we, you know, were decently close with the uh, the family that owned it at that time because we talked back and mm-hmm. forth about planning these videos. And they told us, you know, this is going up for sale, and we we're like, um, dude, you ha- you we have, to, have to do this. Yes, mm-hmm. um, logistically, it did not work out. You know what the house was valued versus what they were asking for is just—it wasn't going to be the a value good is, financial. The value like, is price is priceless for that house. How, yeah. Can I ask how much they were asking? I mean, and I'm sure we could just look it up. Yeah, it was valued at like three hundred fifty thousand, okay. but they were asking for a million. I 
think. And it actually got sold by 1.4. Yeah, I think Jacqueline bought it for 1.4. That makes sense. You can't look at that house as just what is a house from the 1700s valued at on this land. Worthless. You know? Exactly. Land value. But it's the lore. But it's that. And the fact when I looked at the prices, how much they're charging every single night and how many people Mm. they could have come through the house. (laughs) On a $1.4 million investment, I bet she's making her money back within about two years. For sure. Which is like. Owning a, a very one of the most notable houses, oh, besides maybe sure. there's there's that Home Alone house, the Brady Bunch house. Yeah. I mean, there's in terms very of few like houses like that. Houses, that's the most famous in the United States. For sure. Absolutely, for sure. maybe in the world. Yeah, which like, I think it's like smart to point out that like. You know, for all the skeptics out there, like that's a huge reason everybody's like, oh, it's a business. Like, of course, they're going to say like the woods is the most haunted and stuff. And they're just like starting campsites out there. You know, it's like that was a big red flag for a lot of people, which I can totally see. It's a business. It makes sense. Like a lot of these things that people are skeptical about, which we understand. Yeah, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, first, I don't know if someone would feel comfortable just moving in and living in the house. I don't think it would be a single family now. Does anybody live there? No. I think they have trailers outside, and that's the closest. Yeah, yeah. I've seen they they charge for like camping, like glamping outside, or you could yeah. spend like you know Friday there or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But looking at the prices, it made me very curious to want to go and experience that Dude, and check it out. Yeah, you should. I don't know like, if you've ever done anything. Like I've never done anything like this um, before. Yeah. I, I would be very curious. Now, I, I'd probably get scared easily. Uh, but but seeing that experience. thought, what an incredible experience to be able to go and like and. and Try something new like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As long as you're open-minded to it, like I am, it's I'm a extremely, fun experience. Yeah. Even if, like, let's say nothing happens, you're still having this experience, learning a bunch of history, have a fun night with friends. Like that's what I tell people all the time. A lot of stuff doesn't happen. There's many videos we've scrapped. There's some videos that just don't do nearly as like crazy as everything else. But it's still a good time. Yeah. Is there yeah. any experience that truly scared you? Yes, actually, <laughs> going back to like that first trend of thought we had yeah. like 10 minutes ago or whatever, the basement, we brought Cody and Satori down, right? And this, before this, like we had a couple days where we were just talking to um, basically the matriarch of the house named Abigail Arnold, who was like the, the family, a couple families before the parents, like the Arnold estate is what it was called. Abigail Arnold, we would talk to her. She was awesome, super sweet old lady. Um, but in the basement, there was something more like the trickster, something more yeah. like negative. I wouldn't say sinister or evil, but like something more negative for sure. Just like to play jokes on people. And the only thing, first of all, before I get into what it said, like the taps that were being made sounded different down there as well, which is also why I don't think it's like cracking of the joints. It's because like we were upstairs on wood and it would sound different. And then downstairs it was all concrete and you could hear it like it was tapping on the, the co- like concrete. Whatever, yeah. so was, you could hear the the visible like or the, yeah the differences between both of it. Yeah, for context on that too, like everywhere we took them, like we everywhere. took them a bunch of different places, you know, different floors in the house, but also on gravel, everywhere. on like a wooden floor, on concrete. And they all did sound different mm-hmm. in person. But like what it would say is it was super vague about everything. Like and all it would want us to do is it just said come to the woods, come to the woods, and we were like why? It'd be like find out. I do it. <laughs> I just thought that was Bro, the scariest no. and thing. And then we're like, where? And it was like, over the bridge. Like, what? And then we're like, who do you want to come out? Didn't it say like, alone? Alone or, yes, I Something don't know. like that. I don't know. It was scary. And then over and over and over, we're like, why? It's like, find out. It's like, oh, God. It's so scary. But was there any point where you felt in danger for your life? No, not for our, our lives, really. But I was, I did not want to, like, off camera, 
that night, Sam and I talked for like four hours, and I was just like, dude, we are living in a movie right now. Like, we can't go to the woods. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. Like, this isn't just a YouTube video anymore. Like, there was something evil in the basement that just said, or something negative in the basement yeah. that just said, like, do not go to the woods. Like, we can't do this. Yeah. But we did anyways for the content. Are you ever nervous that being around so many spirits all the time, you're like bringing some some essence of something with you yeah, that's what i'd be worried about like some sure. negative thing like latching like, you know, on you i was like hanging out with you guys it. a little bit right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just nervous about but isn't that good presence is, that's true. well you know what's interesting <laughs> i'm not trying to throw salmon on the bus really quick but it's just funny as fuck um every animal <laughs> that we meet like hates sam dude <laughs> every, small every animal, animal like it's just my bailey liked you bailey liked oh, yeah, bailey yeah. Yeah. likes anything now oh, okay. so not to discredit <laughs> sam yeah. or anything no, it, it's insane. There's so many animals that we look. They're like, "Oh, Colby," and look at me. They're <laughs> so scared. Their tails go down. It's like, "Oh God, what's yeah. happening?" But at the end of the day, uh, that aligns with the same questions I've had this in my entire life. Mm -hmm. If something were to attach itself to me, or I do have this weird essence, or something does happen to me, or maybe I am scared of my life, that would give me hope. Mm -hmm. So, like, even if it's a negative thing, like, to be honest. If this happens, Mel will have a different perspective on it. But if I get levitated and thrown up against the wall, that would be the greatest day of my life. Because, <laughs> be yes, it would be scary, but that would 1,000% prove it to me that all this stuff is real. So mm -hmm. I kind of want to be, like, you know. Thrown around, thrown around a little around, bit. You know? <laughs> Tossed hey, up. You know, don't that shit, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. You know? And this thing would be interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, you were telling me about haunted objects a long time ago. Mm. Could you go into some detail about that? Because there are a few things that you said that really stood out to me that some objects, like, carry the spirits with them. And, like, if you there, there are stories that you've seen of, like, people touching certain objects and then, like, bad things happen to them. Yeah. Mm. I mean, uh, in Vegas, yeah, Zach right. Bagan's Haunted Museum yeah. is probably the biggest spot for all the haunted objects of the world um, where he... Like, for example, let us sit in the devil's rocking chair, and what which was another Conjuring movie, yeah. I believe. It was like a Conjuring s sequel. The Conjuring 3 is based on this exorcism, and this specific rocking chair was there during the actual exorcism in the mm -hmm. 1970s. Uh, but yeah, it's thought to believe that just like a place um, could be haunted, uh, something could haunt an object, and that could be the vessel that it's with there. Mm -hmm. So anyway right next to this chair this kid named david glatzel was thought to be possessed and they had multiple i think but at least one exorcism on this guy that you know said to have multiple demons attached we don't know whatever it was and then people said that right after the exorcism people could see something that they coined the beast sitting in this rocking chair this whatever this mist whatever it was and they were so scared of it and then after that, no one sat in this chair for what thirty years, fifty years now, yeah, I, I guess. Uh, and then they sold it to Zach Bagans, and he's been the only person to sit in it ever since that like that whole exorcism deal. And then he let us sit in the same chair. For the um, first time. Why would you do that? Like just in case. <laughs> <laughs> like why uh, risk it again? Because if I died. By doing that, that would be the coolest thing in the world because it would prove to me it's all real. But you would be dead. But now I would go to heaven. But what <laughs> if what if it's a negative like demon or something like that that does not take you to heaven? And because you sat in that chair, like this thing attached onto you and is like pulling you down. Or like bad things. I think about that one. Like, <laughs> bad See, things happen to you in your life because you sat in that chair and like that negativity something 
that, ca- that caused a little change. Yeah, I mean, to be completely honest, yeah. too, like, a big reason we did it was because we were like, like, we can't turn down this opportunity. The concept. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. what happened when you sat in the chair? Well, we both did the Estes method in the chair. Um, and you had more of an intense experience than I did, but we definitely both felt like heavy, like something was almost like not letting us stand up. You were kind of like shaking and freaking out though towards the end. Of it yours. was very weird. Like I've still after, I, I think still have never had an experience like this. I sat in this chair and I want to put it out there for all the skeptics. It could be me psyching myself out. Mm-hmm. I'll say that. If not, I sat in this chair and all of a sudden within, I was probably only sitting in this chair for a minute. My legs like felt almost immediately like I ran like a half marathon. Hmm. Like I was instantly tired. They're shaking. They're almost, almost painful, like, like hard. And I was like, okay, well, let me try to stand up. And it was, it was almost like I was sore immediately. Like, why? I'm just sitting in a rocking chair and I stood up and it took a good you know, a couple minutes for me to like, you know, feel snap better it, about yeah. everything and snap out of it. But it was genuinely like, not only an like emotional switch, but I could physically feel a difference in my legs after sitting in this chair. And I've never experienced like anything like that before. Mm-hmm. What was your experience? Uh, mine was similar, but less intense. So I just kind of felt, I felt like pressure on me, like something kind of like almost not forcing me, but trying to get me to sit longer like like don't like get up or whatever like thoughts in the head that would pop up being like it just felt heavy in my legs like i they weighed like a little bit more than usual um but i was able to stand up like pretty fine and like i would love for you to take two random people on the street and have them sit on two chairs and just say sit in this chair for one minute sit in this chair for one minute Mm -hmm. all right what do you think I just yeah, see if yeah. they're like, and not oh, tell them either way. Not, don't tell them either chair, placebo. right? Mm-hmm. And just, and just say, did did what was more comfy? What, what did you feel <laughs> like afterwards? One random person. I know. Well, that was haunting. Well, no one sat next to you for fifty years, and it's such a demonic possession. And they're like, you what? signed the waiver. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <It's like laughs> oh yeah. No, that was one of the most yeah. unique experiences for sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Is there any object that you would not touch that is Dibbuk, maybe like Dybbuk box or whatever that thing is? Have you guys heard about yeah. that? Yeah, I mean that's in the his museum as well. If, if we're talking about the same, does thing. he have oh, okay, that yeah. same box? So he has the box where if you guys have heard the story of Post Malone getting cursed, have you? No. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is interesting. So Post Malone's super into the haunted stuff, and Zach Bagans invited him out to his museum, and they were doing a private tour. Zach has like a Dybbuk box room, and the only thing in it is the Dybbuk box in this glass case in the middle of the room. And and they took it out of the plexiglass around it and didn't even touch it. They got near it. Um, they freaked out for some reason. Like they either heard something or felt something. Can't remember. But they freaked out for Zach some reason. Zach touched it, but his post didn't. Okay. Post Malone didn't. Zach did. He started freaking out. They ran out of the room, whatever. Like for the next month or two afterwards, like Post Malone almost got in a plane crash. His house got robbed. He got it was a like a lot crash. of different things. Car I think crash. There was at least three or four things that were like life threatening, really intense mm-hmm. situations. All wow. within, I, th- I thought it was closer than that, know. like one month. Or one two or two. Months. Like, don't quote us crazy. on that, but and that's what it's known after. for, right? The Dybbuk box just gives people really bad, yeah, and unfortunate luck and circumstances, right? Yeah, yeah, because basically in um, Jewish folklore a dybbuk is like a demon that got trapped yeah. into this box so obviously like don't open the box because the demon will be released but 
obviously people make a million Divic boxes. Like you can buy them on eBay and stuff if you want. Right. Like, so but that one is the real one. That's a real one. It's the most famous one. Yeah. Why don't you go and touch it and then document what happens afterwards? <laughs> would you do it? Zach Bagans. Yeah, I was gonna say <laughs> next video. Yeah. That would be incredible. Yeah. Is that That'd the line? Awesome. Is that too far? It's like you do anything except for touching the Divic box. You don't want to die. Like that's too far because then that could I'll also take be a bath with a dipping box. Let's go. Because but, but no, Whoa. here's the thing: if hey, yeah. uh, not if something were to happen, you couldn't say that was 100 percent the dipping box. That's then it could yeah. be. Well, maybe there is a chance something happened that would have happened. You know, regardless of whether or not you touch the box, we don't right. know 100 percent. But that it's kind of a good idea. Like I spent 30 days with a dipping box or something like that. That would be a yeah. yeah. That Mr. Ballin episode that I heard on that freaked me out. It made me too. Me, it made me like really believe yeah. in the whole concept of that. Yeah. If you did that and just like lived with this thing for a week or a month <laughs> next to your bed, and you just wake up <laughs> every morning, <laughs> but that's what that's sharing what the sheets with it. That would be pretty crazy. How week idea? Let's go. How week idea? Or he sleeps with Annabelle every single night. Oh just my god! <laughs> oh my god! Who's Annabelle? Annabelle. So um, the Warrens, back to Ed and Lorraine Warren, have yeah. their own museum. We're supposed to be going hopefully sometime this year. But um, if you've seen the Annabelle movies, there's a real Annabelle doll that like all of that's based on. We've never been, so we haven't researched it. Alleged yeah. the most haunted doll in the world. In the world, yeah. And so that's the one doll. That we haven't really like seen yet that we need to and it's in plexiglass as well in this like yeah. museum and once a day they have a priest come over and bless it because they're so scared of what it could do to people really what's scary about all these haunted objects and just haunted places in general is like like sam and i had like one of the toughest years of our entire lives like this past in 2023 yeah. and like we you can't just like say all the negative things that happened to us is because of the haunted stuff but then a part of you, like, there's, like, a little fraction that, like, thinks, like, mm -hmm. what if it is? Now, are we talking about maybe the cancer diagnosis? Yeah, because, yeah. so, this is what's crazy, is, so I know it's not Robert the doll. We went to a place in Florida where if you take pictures of this doll, it literally says it gives you cancer. And we did that. And then I got cancer that month or the next month. Yeah, but what are the chances of that? That's what I'm I saying. have to say, like, I, I am very superstitious on certain things. And like, w if I have a negative thought, I got to, you know, knock on wood just in case yeah. I like to, you know, release that out there. Yeah. What are the chances that did you did you take a picture with it, too? Or yeah. You, yeah, you both. Did. OK, yeah. again, it's not it. But like, yeah. also, what are the odds? You yeah. know, it's like, the, the, the reason okay. I know it's not yeah. Robert. I hope is like I felt a little bit of pain like before going to that trip. Okay, but that doesn't mean like any other haunted place. Like there's so many stories of, you know, diseases being caused by like paranormal and stuff like that. And yeah. like I don't believe it, but it just makes you see. That would be my <gasps> biggest fear is like investigating something like this, picking up something negative, and all of a sudden it's destroying my life. But yeah. you can't point to that. You can't right? say well definitively it was that. Exactly. But my life fell apart. Uh, all of a sudden, I found these vices, and my you know everything kind of went down. Yeah, you can't bend it on that exactly. But it's like you know, what are the chances? Right. It's it's yeah. it's everything in paranormal is like coincidence, or like people yeah. stock it up to like coincidence and stuff. So that's it's what like makes it so interesting. Scary. You can't ever pinpoint one specific thing as the ultimate reason or yeah. confirmation, and that's you know what makes you be able to keep going. And also, yeah. I think I would go insane if I was just like Robert the doll gave me cancer. Mm -hmm. Like I would really obviously want to like quit <laughs> quit yeah. doing haunted in how general. Many, how many people take pictures of that doll? 
Probably a lot. Probably actually. a lot, but yeah. there are 10,000 letters, handwritten letters, yeah. saying, I'm sorry to Robert the Doll because of bad instances that have happened after people take pictures. I would love to know how many people take pictures versus how many of them get diagnosed with cancer within a five-year period and compare that to the normal statistics yeah. of like, hey, if 100,000 people take a picture with this thing and, you know, the normal statistics might be like one in 30 or one in 20, mm -hmm. I want to see if that skews the results. That would be actually you know? a great experiment. That'd be really interesting. I don't know how many I people would participate. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah, like, someone's going to get sued on that one. Yeah. Someone out there do it, not us. Yeah. <laughs> so what happened in terms of your your cancer diagnosis? Like yeah. how do, what what was some of the first symptoms you felt? Well, it was just like I didn't think it was anything serious at first. Really? What's really scary is so it's coming up on a year now. I got diagnosed on January twenty fifth in twenty twenty three. Wow. So like two weeks away from That's now we're crazy. filming this in mid January yeah. twenty twenty four. Um, but yeah, what's really scary and not to freak out all the young Kings watching this or anything, but like, first of all, it's a young men's cancer, like people from 20 to like 35 tend to get this. Mm. Um, but it really wasn't that bad. Like it wasn't that painful. And that's, what's scary about it. Every dude has been like nutted before, like where you just kind of feel like you have like a bruise ball for a second, but it goes away for mm. in a couple days. Mine, my bruise just like didn't go away. The thing that I am telling guys like that gives them peace of mind though is that two weeks before I went and got diagnosed, I could tell something was wrong. It started changing in like appearance and size to mm. TMI. Yeah, um, sure. And then like when whenever I would like work out really hard or if I'd have sex or masturbate or whatever, it would like swell up wow. and stuff. So I knew something was wrong, obviously. Um, and, and you caught it early, so you, you could yeah. felt, so you felt that pain. And you still caught it stage one. Yeah, so. stage one. And so. I got misdiagnosed too. Yeah. Yeah. What so was that like? It was. I mean, I don't blame the doctor at all, but it was. It was a Vegas doctor out here, and he said I had something called like acute epididymitis, which is just like inflammation down there. And then he also, which didn't make any sense because I was celibate at the time. Um, he also was just like, oh, you might have like an STD. Let's give you like a gonorrhea shot just to be safe. And I was like, oh, like that wouldn't make any sense. But all right. So they thought it was that. Gave me the shot in like my ass for like gonorrhea. Obviously, it wasn't that. Mm -hmm. um, and he was just like, just be safe and go get an ultrasound in the next month. He was just like, you don't have to do it anytime soon. Just go in the next month. But I decided to proactively like do it the next morning and just get it over with. Um, especially because I think we were traveling in the next couple of weeks as yeah. well. So I was like, let me just get it over with and be safe. Went the next morning and then five hours later, like I missed the call because we were in a meeting, but I was kind of like reading the voicemail transcript where yeah. it was like, hey, this is your doctor. Call me back as soon as possible. And I was like, that can't be good. good. Like what doctor says that? And so I called him back, of course, and he was just like, hey, so don't freak out. But um, the results from the ultrasound, like it's like 95% cancerous. He was like, it might not be like a... I forgot the word benign or something. Mm -hmm. I think benign. Um, like it could be like a tumor where it's not cancerous or something. Yeah. Um, but but they, you do have a tumor. But you do have a tumor. Yeah. And so he's just like, um, why don't you just come to the doctor's office right away? And so I didn't even, Sam was still in the meeting. And so I just didn't even like tell Sam. I mm -hmm. like left and called him mm -hmm. on my way there and told him to like, wrap up the meeting and then he came and drove and met me at the doctor's office and the doctor was very like nice about it and yeah. very reassuring it was just like hey man like um usually like 95 percent of people they just have to get surgery and 
they're good. That's mm-hmm. it. Like, that's all you need. So he was just like, if you get this out as soon as possible, you should be fine. And what they say about the, you know, survival rate isn't testicular cancer like 97, 97%. 99, yeah. Mm-hmm. The only like reason people like die from it is if it metastasizes and like goes like yeah, everywhere in trans- the body. Yeah. So like, for example, the most famous case that a lot of people know is Lance Armstrong totally. had testicular cancer when he was my age. So I got it when I was 25, like about to be 26. Mm-hmm. Um, he was 25 as well, I believe. Um, but his spread to his lungs and his brain. Yikes. And he had to get like, I don't even know. I'm, I'm going to say this wrong, but he had to get like months of chemo, I believe. Mm. Like where he, for me, um, based on like the, the certain type of cancer I had, is basically so they had to take it out in order to do like a, pathology report on it and figure out what exactly was going on and what type of like cancer I had. And then they were able to kind of give me a percentage of recurrence of like, okay, for me specifically, it was like 35%. Like you have a 35% chance if you do nothing right now, that it's going to mm-hmm. come back. And I was like, ah, oh, like that's a third. Like I got two thirds mm-hmm. of a chance. I'm going to be chilling. But then I was like telling all my friends and family that, and they were just like, dude, like 30 that's, high. that's like it's a high. lot. And so he was just like, but if you do one round of chemo, which was 21 days, then I could get that 35% number down to like 2%. And so initially I was like against it. I didn't want to do chemo. Chemo is like a self-destruct button in your body. You lose everything. Like it kills all like the fast growing cells, Um, like tumors. Tumors are like the fastest growing cells, cancer. Um, And so like you lose your hair, of course, like you lose everything. Yeah. Um, Could they not so, have done like radiation or anything? Like that, that wasn't or? an option for me for some reason. Okay, they didn't even sure. bring it up. I'm not sure why. Okay, that's um, fine. I also learned that there's like dozens of chemo drugs for different cancers. Mm-hmm. So like each person's scenario is going to be different than somebody else's. Um, and so yeah, after talking to my my parents and calling all my friends and just really giving it some thought, I was just like, well. Like, we were stocked up at videos at the time. I was just like, let me just do this. If I lose all my hair, fuck it. Like, it's yeah. better than having, like, cancer coming back or whatever. Totally. Like, who cares? Um, that'll grow back. And so I just decided to do it. And it was 21 days. And, like... What was that like for you to go through? Um, It was easy while going through it. But, like, looking back on it, it's like... It's like the trauma, like, came later. Really? Like in the year. And I'm not, I wouldn't say like I'm like really struggling with like mm-hmm. trauma or anything, but like definitely knowing that a year ago I had it, it's like I've been thinking of like of cancer like a lot this wow. year. Yeah. And so I think I, I had some like hidden trauma that probably, like, well, I mean, probably a lot of it out. What was it like for you to support a friend through this? It was definitely a big eye opener for sure. Mm-hmm. Even even from the moment I got that call, it was kind of like everything was put into perspective. Yeah. What matters? What doesn't? Like, what are we actually going to be, you know, focusing on in the future and stuff? Mm-hmm. It made us definitely reevaluate health oh, and yeah. like our friendship. And I think since then we've probably been the closest we've ever been. Yeah, I know. I think so. I think it like the silver lining of it is all the relationships in my life, like especially ours, like got a lot closer because it's like I was calling my parents every single week and before then I would call them maybe once every like three months four months like Mm -hmm. we have a great relationship but we just never communicate that often but like there were so many people in my life that I like reached out to and like for support I even remember like talking to you a little bit about it like last year but um yeah it just like brought me closer to everybody and and it's kind of like a slap in the face of like hey man like you're not invincible yeah. Um, but again, like my main things is like, I was just like, 
when I first found out, I was like, am I going to die? Can I have kids? Like those were my Yeah, I was going to ask about kids. Do you take a proactive measure like freeze sperm or something like this yeah. like just in case? So before chemotherapy, yeah. they make you, they make anybody, I, I just learned this as well, yeah. but they make anybody who does chemo, they recommend males to freeze their sperm. I didn't um, know that. Because chemo yeah. attacks like, right. especially the, the chemo that I was having was right. attacking like down there. Um, and so there is a tiny, it's like 5%, 10% sort of a thing that like you like no, your sterile. sperm just dies. Yeah. yeah, you just go sterile. Yeah. Um, and so I did. I ended up freezing like my sperm out here just to be safe. Um, and yeah, I, like that was like probably the the hardest like decision is just being like. It makes it kind of real. It's yeah, like, hey, this yeah. is that 5% chance right there. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and like doctors have to be so honest, of course. Of course. With yeah. You. And so like hearing like I was doing like the possibility of chemo right after surgery, I was like, there's no way I'm doing chemo. There's no way. But then, of course, like, once that 35%, like, stuck with me every single day, I was just like, oh, like, I might as well just... Everybody in my life was telling me to do it, and I was just like, all right, I should probably just do it. Also, didn't you get something, some report back that after chemo, it was actually attacking something, so it made you realize that you did make the right decision? No, so what was scary, and this is getting kind of, like, into medical terms or whatever, but I'll keep it as, like, simple as possible because it's confusing, Mm -hmm. but basically, like, there's this tumor marker in your blood called AFP that, like, spikes up specifically for, like, specific cancers, like, I think it's ovarian and testicular. Um, And so my AFP spiked up, like, halfway through my chemo, and so what was really hard is my doctors in Vegas who did the chemo, I did the chemo with, mm-hmm. um, said, this spiked up like during your first cycle. We think you should do like another cycle just to be safe. We haven't seen it like spike up like this. And so I was like, wait, but like, ah, like I just went through this like one cycle. I, sh- I shouldn't have to like do this again. So I went and uh, got another opinions at UCLA and then Cedars Sinai. Yeah, Cedars Sinai. Sinai. And they both, and no offense to Vegas doctors out here, but like California's way more qualified. Mm-hmm. Just honest. Um, they both said like, "Oh no, like you're fine. You don't need chemo," and so or any more chemo. And so I ended up just taking their advice and being like, "All right." Two doctors said I don't need it. One Vegas doctor said like it's you should fair. do two it. Two to one. Yeah. Two to one. Yeah. Um, but then again, like that still is not everybody saying like, "Oh yeah, you're fine." I know. And so that that little like door being open of like the possibility of you know, one doctor was just like, I think you should cause like so yeah. much more anxiety, like in the future. And you still have to deal with that because of all the tests you're taking. Like, yeah. Like, like I mean, two days ago, like I did a CT scan um, and like I have a blood test tomorrow at 630 in the morning. Wow. Mm-hmm. So what's like the maintenance on something like that? How often do you have to go in and retest? So it was different last year than it is now, obviously. Um, right after, like right after I got diagnosed, I pretty much got poked getting like my blood test every single week Mm. for five months at least. Um, But it was only recently, um, I think, yeah, around like September when they said like, okay, it's like, like you're still like normal and normal levels. We're going to like push it out to three months. You'll get checked. So the last time I've gotten a CT scan and blood work was in September. And so that's why like early January, like I'm getting it again. It's been three months. And so that's why I'm like, I've been kind of like anxious this week and like stressed out because like even though my recurrence level is literally 2%. um, And so like, obviously I have 98% chance that I'm fine, but it's still weird how I feel like 
anxious about it. You know, it's so funny. Even for me, the 1% things screw with my mind all uh, yeah. the time. Yeah. It's a 1% chance. That's all I think about. Exactly. And I worry about that 1%. Even though it's exactly. unlikely to happen, I spend most of my mental, mental, mental energy on that 1%. Exactly. So, and I think yeah. that's human nature, too, to like just focus on on that stuff worst case scenario yeah yeah i've been but. reading that book uh, john deloney's book on anxiety and he says that one percent is is wired in your brain to help keep you alive because if you Ooh. didn't have that one percent worry think of all the times that one percent happens you know over a hundred two hundred times that one percent will happen on something yeah. and if you didn't pay attention to that it could kill you yeah so our minds are wired to focus on that one percent just to keep you alive definitely because you never know point. That's a good point. Yeah. So what did this whole experience teach you about life in general? I mean, that's a lot to go through as like a yeah. 25, 26-year-old. Yeah. I mean, um, first of all, it made me grateful more than anything for like just everything, like friends and health specifically, of course. And um, it was a, again, silver lining to it. I wouldn't call it a blessing in disguise because can- getting cancer is not a blessing at all. Um, but it really did teach me in other facets of life, like to really focus on like specifically health. Um, so for example, like I slowed down on like drinking a lot and like I'm going on hikes like every single day and stuff like that. Like it really, and now that I'm doing like these, um, blood tests every once in a while, like I'm checking for other things in my body that I've never even like learned about or knew about that like kind of gives me more of like a feeling of security of like everything is okay. Um, but yeah, I mean just overall, like I know this is going to sound crazy, but and I've said this before, but I'm kind of, I'm not happy that I cancer, of course, but I'm glad that if it had to happen, it would happen to somebody like me because like there was so much more positives that happen than negatives. Like, yeah. yes, I had to sacrifice my left nut RIP soldier or whatever, but like, <laughs> like literally we raised like hundreds of thousands of I was dollars about to, say, to like cancer funds. I mean, the reach that you have and just imagine how many, I think 8 million people saw that video. Yep. Imagine how many people, because of that, got something checked out. Exactly. So I saw you do that. And said, exactly. Oh, you know what? Maybe you know it wasn't anything. Let me just check this out just in case. Right. I mean, when you look at a numbers game like that, out of 8 million people, yeah, out of 8 million sure. people, at least one of them probably did something proactive that would have prevented something or caught something early enough exactly. because you came uh, so publicly with that video. Yeah, and I, I appreciate you saying that. But yeah. it's, it's been super cool seeing like random emails from like I want to be like a, a spokesperson to guys because I feel like a lot of dudes will be very insecure or scared to talk about a cancer like down there or whatever. But I want to be like a social media guy who is not afraid to be like, yeah, you know, that happened to me and like I'm thriving still. Yeah. And I think that's the main thing for guys like out there to if you're going through the same situation is nothing's changed. It's like like nothing, no libido changes, yeah. like no testosterone yeah, I changes. I heard you on Joe Rogan say that the other testicle compensates and makes up, which I think is yes. insane. That the Ins- body could do that. So you, right. you've noticed like no difference in terms Zero. of like. Zero. Zero difference. And, and so. I'm curious, do they just replace it with like a fake one? Do I they? had the option to do that. So they, they said I could get like a silicone ball. Yeah. The only reason I didn't do it is because I was doing a bunch of research where like sometimes the body will reject silicone any time in life so i didn't want to have like the anxiety of like being like 40 50 whatever one day and like being like is this the year that like (laughs) my body decides to reject my fake nut like i don't think so so i I just i'm rocking don't they isn't that the case with uh with (laughs) people get boob jobs where you have to either like take a medication or something to i don't know if that's for life i'm not Um, i don't know 
be but I thought there's something where it's like, like it's not that. meant to be a permanent thing. You're usually supposed to replace them every like 15 years. I think so. Yeah. I think yeah, you have to replace it every I don't know seven to ten years. I'm not sure, but it's anything any yeah. foreign object in the human body. Yeah, like, you just right. don't want to take that risk after going through all. Yeah, this. yeah, because like you. the whole thing is like I just I just want my anxiety to go away about it, and so like I wouldn't want to give myself more anxiety mm. by just like getting getting like a fake ball in there. And be yeah. Like, all right, well, now it's like my body going to reject it like shit. Yeah. Now, what happened to the nut that they took out? Did you get to keep that? So they, like they, yeah, they give it to you in like a Christmas ornament. And, like, yeah. and so it's <laughs> on our tree right now. You're joking. Literally I would right love now. that. You're joking. No, and like they put a plaque that says, Colby Brock's left nut. Are you serious? <laughs> well, I feel like you're kidding. Yeah, I see that smile on your face. You're, <laughs> oh, God. No, they have to. They just toss yeah. it. They just. I don't know what they do with it. Can you ask for it? Like, I feel like I've seen people with like Dude, get okay. teeth removed. Out, to be like, I want the teeth. I was outside of the operating room, and the doctor came up and was like, "Do you want it? Do you want to see a nut?" <laughs> and I was like, "It's a weird question." <laughs> Did you say yes? I was like, "Yeah." And he's like. I probably shouldn't. I was like, oh, you can't leave you on like that. No, of course I want to see Coley's balls. I mean, his uh, <laughs> extracted nut. <clears throat> oh my god! So he never showed he it. Never he just, he like, he backpedaled on yeah, that. Back he, he I love how you, you jumped no. on it. And you're like, yeah. yeah I was like, I mean, this is a once in a lifetime chance. You know, he said he used to be able to do it, but not anymore. Okay. How do you guys maintain your friendship like through that? 10, 15 years, however long it's been. Have you ever gotten in a fight that's like maybe threatened to tear you guys apart? I think so. Not to the point that we actually were going to. There is definitely rocky points, especially at the beginning. So we were obviously like friends and then we became business partners. And then especially when we moved out, we were roommates, friends, and business partners. At 18. At 18. And my livelihood depended on him and vice versa. That's very difficult on a friendship for sure. And we also were just like struggling on on YouTube and what we wanted to do. And so like each week we would have to come up with different ideas and I'd pitch something that maybe he didn't like versus vice versa. And so like we have never, ever, ever really like yelled at each other before. Like like have gotten like a screaming match. We've never, ever like hit each other ever. Um, Like usually we've always worked things out very maturely and we'll just like be completely honest being like, hey, man, like. I didn't like this. Let's talk about it. And I didn't like this. Let's talk about it. And then like, we'll resolve it and mm-hmm. figure it out very like civilly. But like, it's hard though. It's I, hard, I, yeah. I, uh, just putting it out there. I probably would not suggest going into business with your best friend or your spouse. Like I just wouldn't suggest it. It ruins 90% of friendships. We for sure. are definitely an anomaly, but, yeah. but, and we started that at the very beginning of like, Honestly, like the friendship should always come first over business, over anything that's happening. So let's communicate. We had a lot of talks about all this stuff. And over time, we've gotten to a point where I just understand how he works and Mm -hmm. vice versa. And so we know when something's going wrong. We know when, you know, we're not, you know, at the same level. And we sit down and we really talk about it. Because at the end of the day, if our friendship isn't there, our whole business isn't there. And how do you handle a disagreement where neither one of you wants to budge on a topic? Do you just not do it or is it about like a convincing thing or is just does one of you have like a little more of a lead than the other i think what's interesting is like when it comes to to business stuff that we disagree on we're both very very logical people and so no matter who's right me or sam in the past we'll always just like put emotions away put every fact on the table and be like what is actually best step it doesn't matter who came up with like the steps but like what's What's like the best plan of action here? And like again, 
it's it's just like a lot of like trust and like there's so many times where like for example like mer random merch ideas like designs where um if i like really 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 love a design but then sam like doesn't like it at all i would just be like okay well then let's scrap it because like we both don't like it even if i really like it okay and it's helped too um when we first started it was mostly just us we sometimes had managers or whatever but nowadays we have a little bit bigger of a team and so if we do have a disagreement we'll bring it out to everybody and it's more so like a collective experience so we're like okay yeah. let's all decide yeah. on get pros cons let's yeah. figure it all out it was just like he said like very hard in the beginning when we like didn't know what we were doing we didn't have a team we like saw each other every single we still see each other every single day but like back then when under stressful scenarios plus like not having a lot of money back then yeah. um honestly well, it's like, hard I'll, I'll say this. I'm sure this is very, very true with a marriage as well. But I notice a dramatic difference in our relationship after financial freedom. Like when we were not yeah. worried about that month's rent and the bills and like, let's say one thing went wrong yeah. and it wasn't going to ruin our chances of staying in Los Angeles or not. That huge stress reliever was was a big part of our relationship mm -hmm. uh, change and I think that's probably with like everybody's relationships with yeah. families and you know marriages and everything like that like money is such a big deal yeah and so like when things were starting to go right it was like a lot less stress on us for sure yeah and just maturing and stuff like so. as we've yeah. gotten older again we just like learned more about how each like we work or yeah. whatever and so i think it's just it's all communication as cliche yeah. and corny as that sounds it's like communication is key if you're upset about something say it but also consider how you say it to somebody don't be like you just fucked up everything <laughs> i love doing you. that see that's my that's, that's, my that's the grandma approach yeah. really oh my god well, i could go on see and how that works shouldn't. out i should in the long run that is yeah no we're very very like Aww. considerate of each other's feelings I'm working. Listen, I'm working. I'm working. <laughs> yeah, he's doing a good job. He's I'm doing working a good on job. it. Who yeah. spends more money between you two? Who's got the expensive taste? It's decently even because most of the stuff that we spend money on, Didn't we related? do it together with like vacations or right. Like let's work say related. outside of that, outside of work thing. I think probably you. Yeah, well, it's okay. So it's interesting because yes, I, I probably spend more money on like clothes and stuff like that, um, but I still have the same car from high school. So yeah, like, I know you got to think right. he spent yeah. maybe less like on less items, mm -hmm. but on more expensive items like he's gotten Tesla upgrades or whatever. Mm -hmm. I still drive a 2007 Corolla. See, that's yeah. what I actually really admired about you guys, because obviously you guys completely different level than me. But when I for the longest time I was driving a nearly actually, yeah, a 20 year old car, super old. And you guys show up and you're driving a what was like a. 15-year-old, maybe 20-year-old Toyota Corolla. Yeah, 2007. Which is the coolest thing ever. I really yeah, respected the, the frugality you. that you guys have. It's like still playing it smart. Yeah. Even playing pickleball with Sam, like he didn't get pickleball shoes for a super long time, <laughs> yeah. which I wouldn't consider super smart because there's no ankle support, but he would still <laughs> use just like standard trainers. <laughs> yeah. You know? You shouldn't be talking about ankle support, Jack. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. you guys, did uh, you see the incident? I saw it on Instagram. I don't yeah, know what happened. Though. Yeah, I just basically hurt my ankle. I'll show up some photos for yeah. you guys to Dang, see right here. Man. He sent a picture to me. In the hospital, it's just this gnarly black and blue. Yeah. Really yeah. Yeah. I'll show it to you after. Yeah. You yeah. See. Yeah. So, but I'm curious, why not upgrade your car? I've been looking into like some recently, just like maybe or whatever. And I know like like I want to get like a damn. I'm blanking. Energy energy car. Electric car. I don't know cars. Yeah. Um, but I'm just not 
a car guy. Like I would rather I, like put yeah. my money into like mortgages. And I get stuff. that. I think but the upgrades. Too. Yeah, I think yes. the upgrades from 2007 through today are substantial. Yeah. I mean, just like the comfort. I think the big one is audio. Sounds a lot true. better if you if you listen to music or podcasts. Audio in a car. Yeah, uh, navigation say, like, is a pretty big one. Going from my old car to the Tesla was a genuinely life booster. Not yeah, just like yeah. flex on a car or whatever. A lot of people don't even see my car, but just my day to day life is happier when I'm like driving so, on autopilot, listen to my things, and I like phone automatically connects. I don't have to worry about my keys. Yeah, like a bunch of like things that make my life easier because of this car, that's and true. that's why I did. That's Do you have true. aux in your car? No, I dude. don't. Like, no, I have, how do you listen to music? <laughs> I listen to the radio in I would, Vegas. I would yeah. say my Tesla. Oh, are we might yeah. to make a deal real quick. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we can make a deal. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> listen, it's a one of over it's okay. MSRP. So it's different, you know. Doing the a deal with the original is estimated value. You know, there's the there's the, the value, but then there's you know the the value. You know, it's like that. It's like the house. It's like the house. It's like yeah, it's appraised value, but its real value is a lot higher. Right. You know. So so you. When you travel between LA and Vegas, like you're just listening to the radio the whole time. Uh, so the, <laughs> so I have a Bluetooth thing that does hook up to my phone. Oh, is it an FM moderator or whatever? Yeah, like yes. you push in and yes. you create your own station. Yes. Okay, that's what I was using too. Dude. It's like oh, a phone. Yeah. Oh, the sound is like a quarter of what it would be with Bluetooth. Oh my god! So horrible. Cities, yeah. You have so to constantly bad. be changing the station oh, you're projecting. Yeah. Like you're transmitting. That's why I don't use it in Vegas. It doesn't work in Vegas for some reason. You yeah. know what I did with the Volvo? For a long time, I drove the 2006 Volvo S60, but mm-hmm. I put in AirPods. Oh. Yeah. It's dangerous. Yeah, it's I, I, dangerous. I would do the same yeah. thing when driving through LA. blasting but it's... Slipknot, but right. it's like, you know, it's Can't you low get enough. over for that? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. illegal. I've never gotten pulled okay. over for that. And the yeah. windows are tinted, so you, you really have to be, like, looking over it's and trying illegal. to see this. Let's go. <laughs> yeah, that's also illegal. I can get pulled over for that, too. <laughs> Graham's about to get arrested like us. I think one day I will, but I just, there's no, like desire to i'm not like let me get a new car to be honest i would say maybe up until like this last year ish we've been extraordinarily frugal people throughout everything intentionally or just subconsciously you're just naturally not going to spend money on things naturally or is it like intentional like i should save money i mean both i think it's just like wired uh Mm -hmm. that way that we're probably just not going to spend in general but we're also like you know, where can we save on this? Like, what's mm. the best deal for this? Like, let's put our money here instead of putting our money there. Like, we're definitely intentional about our finances. Do but... you guys, like, invest in the same things? Mm. Or have, like, kind of, not joint accounts, but, like, oh, I'm going to make my Roth IRA over here. I'm going to make my IRA over here. And, like, we can buy the same things. Yeah, you guys transparently, we have yeah. a business manager who handles okay. all of our finances. Sure. And so, like, when it comes to, like, SEP IRAs and right. Roth IRAs, it's all the same accounts under the same... We have all, all the same financial managers, so yeah, okay. pretty Makes much sense. we're invested in the same stuff. Cool. Yeah. But, like, we've been, or maybe personally speaking, actually, like, I've been into investing okay. very early, like, cool. in life, too. Like, and not, I'm saying, like, where you can't even invest at this age. Like, I'm talking, I would be in, like, middle school, and, like... <laughs> Like, my mom would, like, teach me, or, like, my parents would teach me. They'd be like, all right, if you mow, like, the lawn, you'll get 20 bucks or whatever. Like, you should, like, save this for this many months so that when we go to the trip, Mm -hmm. like, in Mm -hmm. six months or whatever, you'll have this amount. Whatever. She was always just teaching me, like, at a very, very young age to save money. And now it's just ingrained Mm -hmm. in your mind to do that. And I never never got an allowance. So, like, I've always worked Mm -hmm. for my money. And I think that was a huge help when I was growing up. What do you think about this recent trend of creators quitting? I think it's interesting because uh, YouTube's so new that we haven't really gone through like 
of a generation. And mm-hmm. so we are finally seeing people move on or quit mm-hmm. or retire or just say, like, I've had enough or I've reached financial freedom. Peace out. I don't need to do this. And it's really, really interesting because yeah. at, the, at the very beginning of social media, you only had like this one generation of people doing it. Now, much older people are doing it. People are doing it throughout their families and the older, mm-hmm. older life. So I think we're going to see a lot more of it, actually. Like For a sure. lot, lot more people are retiring. Or and like it's on. either there's going to be people that like quit completely, like Matt Pack. That's his name. Matt, Matt, Matt. Pat. Matt. Matt. So Tom sorry. Scott. So yeah, Tom, Tom Scott. Scott. Was a, yeah, he was a big one. Mm-hmm. Or but there's going to be been saying it for a long time. Like people yeah. like PewDiePie, who like technically quit. Right. Like Take he's retired, seat. but like he still posts like once a month yeah. and like shows his kid, and he lives in Japan now and yeah, stuff. It looks so like incredible. Yeah, so I feel like most most YouTubers I could see are probably just gonna like take a step back yeah. and not yes, completely. I agree. About that. I yeah, I have yeah. all the time. I've been saying this to Jack. So initially, <laughs> initially I'm not there yet. Not even okay. close. You're like, don't retire no, 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 yet. No, no, I need no, this. No, no. No, 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 the podcast doesn't count. Okay. My initial plan was 2019. I was so burnt out, and I thought I was gonna stop January of 2020. And when I mean stop, I was posting three videos a week. I had done that since 20. Late 2016, and three videos a week for you know three years, and I thought I'm going to stop in 2020 because I was just purely burnt out, and I thought maybe I'm going to post every now and then, and then I got to December and I said, you know what, I still got like a little more energy in me. Let me just go through April because that's my birthday. If I could just make it to April, then I'm fine. Mm-hmm. COVID happened. Mm. Everything changed in March of 2020 with the shutdowns. All of a yeah. sudden, it was finance. Everyone is at home. And that was the point. I had not really gone full-time on YouTube until then. Because wow. I was still working as a real estate agent, still posting three videos a week. And I think the combination of the two just like fried my brain. Mm. So COVID happened, and I'm like, oh, man, I got to double down on this now. And I got this new wave of energy because there's so much more to talk about. Like I had been talked out of, of topics. Mm-hmm. But COVID happened, and all of a sudden, every day was something new happening. And there was mm. something new for me to talk about. I got so immersed in it. Uh, Jack joined the team shortly after that. And we were churning out three videos a week. And then I think it was 2021 or 2022. So it was like two years afterwards. I told Jack, hey, man, I'm going to go from three videos a week, maybe down to one, Mm -hmm. maybe down Mm -hmm. to one. And it was always December. And then it was December through April. And I always push it. (laughs) And then in April, it's like, well, I may as well just make it through the rest of the year and then make it an even year. You know, I can stop when I started. Um, And then now this year, I've just... Yeah, really for the last few months I've gone from three videos to one video a week. Yeah. How does that feel it's been now? amazing. It's yeah. it's been I'm still I still unfortunately have the same like stress level as I did before posting three videos a week. Hmm. Posting one. It's it's and the one video still takes me I feel like as much time as I was doing spending for three videos Dude. a week. Yeah. But I found the performance of the one video a week has exceeded that of three yeah. videos a week. So all yeah. of my videos now are doing better because I'm posting less. So now it's kind of reinforced. Oh, one video a week is is pretty good. But then I also like the idea of kind of going out at a high. Like yeah. I don't like the idea of like you watch your views decline and decline and decline, and then it's like, all right, finally, let me throw in the towel because it's not mm-hmm. working. I like the idea, like what Matt said, is like we're going out at the top. I want to be able to control this. And I feel like you have more power to say, hey, this is the best it's been. Our views have exceeded what we've ever done. And this is the point to, to call it quits. I think there's something yeah. really powerful in that of like taking charge and you're the one in control of that. But for me, the podcast, I see that having like at least another 10 years. Mm. Oh, for sure. No, we've talked about that a lot, at least like this year, seeing other people do that. It's like, we don't want to be those YouTubers that like, okay, let's say right now, get a couple million views. We don't want to be those people that are scraping by a 10K <laughs> views just because we need to turn out a video. We definitely would want to 
if we start to see like a decline or or more so if we start to have a decline in passion would be I like think that's that I think yeah. that's the real thing cuz if you're obsessed with it even if it get 1 million views versus 10 like if you're just so enthralled with everything you do I don't think it really matters but if that you lose that passion and maybe people sense it mm. and because of that the views slowly decline and then it's like this negative reinforcing thing where it's like we feel less good about it and it's getting less views which makes us feel less good about it and gets us less views, and then it's just like self-perpetuating after that. Yeah, it is an interesting concept of this whole like you know you still feel as stressed one video versus three. We went from posting every single week to then we did like serious content where we post like every week for a month and then take a month off. Every week for a month, take a month off. Then we posted just every other week for a year, and now we post once a month. But in all of those changes. I don't think the stress level has changed all that much because we'll just put more effort into yeah. that one video or we'll just fill our time with other things. Yeah. That's something we've mm-hmm. talked about a lot this last year and a half because we're, we were very, very afraid of burnout about mm-hmm. a year and a half ago. And we're just like, I don't think this is sustainable at this amount of pressure and work for very much longer. So that's why we changed a lot this last year. We're just going down to like one video a month. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't, I don't know, I'm curious if you guys, yeah. like your schedule or whatever, but um, truthfully, like until now, we have never had weekends free, ever. Like every single day for like yeah. 10 Every years. single day. There was, and not saying like we would do a nine to five on Saturday and Sunday, but we would definitely have to work and, and, and do a bunch of little things for sure, like on the weekends for years like a decade pretty much which doesn't mean it wasn't fun uh we love our work and there's like a lot of really good things about our work or maybe our work was we were on a filming trip and so we were like you know doing videos which are much more fun than Mm -hmm. sitting at a desk but there's a lot of times on the weekends like we wouldn't see anybody and we just edit like all the time and stuff so it's just gotten to a point where we're like all right if we want to do this a long time and we're also we want to keep the passion up we got to figure this out to where we have some free time we balance social life because that was the real painful part of Mm -hmm. the last like two years was social life and just feeling like you had a connection with other people was declining and we were like that's just because we're not around how are you supposed to have a relationship with somebody if you're just not around it was interesting because our like youtube career and like every other business that we were doing Mm -hmm. was like skyrocketing and we were getting like the best numbers ever or whatever but we had like no social life yeah. like we were just like we were kind of sad like being like sitting at home like obviously in vegas like mm-hmm. we would talk to you and we have like a the project fear guys you met them or mm-hmm. whatever like there we have a couple friend groups out here um but you guys are super busy as well and so there was there was a lot of times where yeah we were just kind of like is it like what is the point to be like working this hard and not like reaping any of the social rewards yeah. from it you know? so i heard a quote it's like we work so hard to get money for then money to be used on all the things we can't buy so it's like yeah. essentially we're working so hard to get all the things that we can't buy right. which is really interesting and um i want to know what your guys's plan is for for 2024 because i know this last year you guys had the most success you've ever had you guys have had your own personal struggles harder than anything else possibly that you've uh, encountered in your life. Mm-hmm. How are you going to change 2024? And like, are you going to continue to be okay to sacrifice personal time, enjoyment, vacations, trips, etc., for the business? Or how are you going to draw that line? And is this like conversations that you guys are actively having? Yeah. So we, um, shout out Kong again. <laughs> Kong helps us out a lot on our team. And um, we are trying to, in 2024, making it a thing where we at least have Saturdays off. 
Yeah. And that we've scheduled a couple of vacations already in there. And honestly, like out of all the goals that we've had, like our number one goal is just to have a happier outside of work life this year. Mm. Cause like we have gotten our systems down for like our work life and our content. We have a lot of fun doing it, but the way that we're going to have longevity in the content world is if we have more happiness outside of it. Mm-hmm. And so that's honestly like our main goal is like, how do we do the same work and maybe add on a one vacation day to a trip or like have one day a week off. Like those mm-hmm. types of little things definitely going to add up and change. You said something to me that was really interesting. You said it's really hard for to allow yourself to enjoy time that is spent not being like productive mm-hmm. or doing things that make an impact somewhere. Do you experience the same thing, Colby? I, <laughs> we've talked about <laughs> this so many times, but I think we're just wired differently. I am the type of person where I can veg out and watch YouTube for hours a day and never feel like like bored or whatever mm-hmm. and can like honestly be like, I deserve this. Like we work so hard that like I can do this. But I feel like we're just different people where like Sam has to be doing something constantly, I feel like. I think I was probably a major component of us not feeling like we could have a free free life um, this whole time we've been in a career because I am just wired that way. It sounds like me and Jack, where I'm the one, if Jack's not constantly doing something, I'm like, what are you doing That's all day? Exactly. Like, Jack, there's an email that came in an hour ago. You've not responded to it. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> and you I need was... to get this back to this person. Why are you not getting back to them? <laughs> that was yeah. me too. Even if it's like 9 p.m. at night, I was like, oh, what could I be doing for like work for yeah, this entire time? I, or even thing. like out on like if we were even partying or something like that like what pictures could I be taking that I could post tomorrow or like think so it was it got toxic to a yeah. point where I was obsessed with work mm-hmm. uh, obsessed with productivity and it just wasn't really healthy and I kind of had a crazy mental breakdown about yeah. a year and a half ago and we talked about that a lot over this whole last year it was just yeah. like I need to stop there was a, a part from 2020 through most of 2021 some of 22 where I'd break down how much I would make per hour. Mm. And if someone said, hey, let's go grab lunch or a coffee or let's go and do this, I would calculate in my mind how many hours that would be, my driving time there, and what that would be worth in terms of my time. And I'm like, like, uh, doing this one thing would be $1,000. Would I pay $1,000 for that? No, I I need to work. Mm -hmm. But that kept me from like adding up the opportunity cost of everything in my life. But then what is the value of just genuine free time? You know, it's like, well, at the time I, I thought it was a worthy sacrifice where I'm like, I know this is not going to be forever. So right now I need to put my head down and just keep working because I know it's not going to be a forever thing. So let me just, well, the going's good. Yeah. It's like double down. Oh, things are going better. Triple down. Oh, yeah, things exactly. are going better. Quadruple down. That's yeah. Always it, it was weird because I've always told Jack like, Hey, when views are down, you double down. But when views are really good, you also double down because you want to continue that momentum. So, so it's like, always double down. Never slow ends. down. Never ends. Never. And like make the conscious decision. <laughs> the go, the was go-to's like, double down. With the health issue with everything that's happened like this last like year, it was a major slap to the face of being like, your time here is not forever. Mm-hmm. So if you don't actually use it and you don't enjoy it, then what the fuck did you like gain from yeah. working yeah. so hard? Yeah, like, we're so lucky to be like well off and and being able to have like as much free time as we want because we make our own schedules um, at. 27 years old so it's, it would be stupid not to you know live lavishly yeah. and like, like experience i've always felt 35 is the age you take the foot off the gas yeah you know but if that's you're working like you, from 20 to 35 like head down no fun i don't I know if you want like kids 15 or anything, years but like that's yeah. around like when you have kids though and I, I feel like once you have a kid 
your life becomes your kid. Yeah. 18 years. Yeah. And so then you're locked yeah, down. Yeah, but I feel I like know, 35 Graham. is a good age oh, yeah, to for like, sure, really for like sure. settle down. The way I see it for is sure. like, yeah. I want to be able to, at any point in my life, enjoy and or just sit and just like enjoy my own happiness and freedom and enjoy see jack but and i, any point in my life, yeah. I don't only get happiness from working that's true too. only get I, happiness for a long long ass time <laughs> i would be super unhappy if i was just like oh i get like, depressed if i don't like work depressed. i'm just like yeah i get there sad. like sometimes we're like oh we're done with work at five and i would fucking panic it's like now what i'll be like do you do? What no let's do, do more well, what do i do like <laughs> i'm sad well now we could do this thing and this thing and then we could brainstorm ideas exactly so what's next? that's, that's <laughs> really insane and how happy were you when you were working Ex- like extremely happy yeah because i felt that purpose but as soon as I didn't have that, Pro- I just felt being productive. No purpose. So Grant Cardone says is that being productive is uh, the leading. You will be happy to the degree that you are productive. Yes, is what he mm-hmm. says. Yeah, and so when his daughter said, uh, or I when asked he asked him, his daughter, yeah. I asked Grant, yeah. I was like, "Do you want your daughter to be happy?" And he says, "No, I want her. <laughs> I want her to be productive." Whoa! Yeah, yeah. And he says his daughter crazy. in the yeah. room, and she's like fourteen. She's fourteen years old, but he says if she's productive, she will be happy. Mm-hmm. So I, I, productivity I do believe first. That, yeah. But I think you can find being productive in other ways. Like mm-hmm. now, like when I look at it, because I've had a, a switch in my mindset. When I do go out with friends, I find that productive for my social life and my well-being and my happiness for the job. Because if I don't have that, then I'm going to get burnt out. And so, like, I have been See, able to... But it still to... ties into the job. Exactly. But it's my way of letting myself have freedom. For or that. working out. We're working out. out. Like, yeah, like, I'll go on a run, although that's not making me money. It's productive in my health or something like that. Or yeah. even, like, as crazy as it sounds, like, starting a hobby is productive because you are, like, feeding a different part of your soul that yeah. can allow you to do more work because you're entertaining it yeah i agree with that but it's just interesting i'm curious if you guys have the same mindset but like when i was like growing up like all the way up until high school my goal was just like okay i think like the best thing possible is to like make as much money as possible and then i'm gonna retire at 30 and i'm gonna live like doing nothing for the rest of my life that's gonna be great and now being like 27 and older in retrospect i'm just i'm just like that's like the most boring life. I think that's the single most like depressing life I could ever imagine is not yeah. having a purpose. Retiring at yeah. 30 sounds like a dream for everybody, but like then what? Then what? Then what? What are you doing with 30 years of your life yeah. when you don't have to worry about anything? You're Part of me s- would love to try that though for a month of really like having oh, yeah. nothing to do. Which would be like fun for a month. Every single It'll day. Be a great experience. It's like, what do you want to do that day and go and do it? And then you'll realize, oh, there's not that many things to do. I had this like really interesting conversation with my dad uh, the other day at Christmas, and he was like, I re- I think he retired at like 47. And he was like, I retired at 47 because I thought I was going to do that. Like, you know, oh, like, I have so many other things to do. And then he just sat me down, and he's like, but I realized there wasn't just that many things to do. So, like, if I had to take it all back or if I had to suggest mm-hmm. to you, I would say never retire. Because, like, yeah, you can go golfing or you can take a vacation or you can do get into all these other little hobbies you would. But there's actually not that many things that you're not doing currently that you'd be interested it in. It might be, it might change if you have a family with like young kids. For sure. Maybe True. that might skew them. But then they but grow then up. Those are and things then, to do, you know, but then you're also occupied with that. And I do yeah, think that's why yeah. a lot of people have kids. It's just something to do. Something to purpose. Do. <laughs> it's purpose. Yeah. And I, that, yeah, a thousand percent. Yeah. No, I think your, your life at some point becomes your kid's life. Yeah. And then like when they go to their baseball games, basketball, whatever games, like, that's what you do, you know, yeah. like that. Your life is their life. That's your purpose. Yeah. Do you want to have kids around the same time? 
I feel like maybe Dude, the kids cool. become best friends. <laughs> yeah. I feel like at this point you would coordinate that, like make sure you both have girlfriends, eventually wives that are like friends with each other. A wolf force coordinate. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I've planned out that exact same thing with my best buddy. The yeah. Exact really? same thing. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. We're gonna uh, have friends. Our kids are going to be best friends, and our wives are gonna whoa. have to be. Dude, I had never thought about that ever. I've never life. really thought about that. But I thought that, so much. I, that, that was Come my first thought. Yeah. Start a YouTube channel together. Start a YouTube channel. <laughs> Yo, I've never thought about this before. Uh, That's so interesting. Yeah, we're terrified of kids. No, <laughs> just in general. Just in general. Period. Kids are scary. They'd be freaky. I never know how to talk to kids because there's like a, a switch when they're like you know. Older, where you could have more of a conversation, but it's like a child, like a little baby. But like a child, I talk to him like I do a dog. I'm just like, good, that's great, yeah. Not, but I don't know how to talk. I think you can, like, like at least for somebody like five and under, you can be like, yeah, talk to him like that. I'm honestly not sure. I feel like you'll learn a lot when you have a kid. What do you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's different if it's your own. But if I'm like talking to another kid, I don't. I never know what to say. Yeah, yeah. It's scary. Do you want kids? One day. Yeah. I've always wanted one day though. I would be having like five years from now. Okay. How old are so you now? 33. So okay, like 38. My parents were 38. My mom was 38. I think my dad was like 36 or 37 when they had me. Okay. So I felt like in my mind, that's a good age. Because okay. I always want to do everything I want to do before having kids. Yes. And that includes like traveling. Like going mm-hmm. to Japan is like a yeah. big goal of mine. So to be able to travel, get that out of the way, and feel like I've accomplished everything I need to so that I could focus on another chapter. Yeah. Because otherwise, I feel like having a, a child now that would take a priority over other things where right now I want to focus on other things. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. I have a question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what do you think about the age of 27? Like having having a kid at 27? No, 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 no. Oh. Just like in general, like, like do you, you think 27, 27? Yeah, you being past 27, do you see 27 being like, oh, I was still like super young then? Or like, did you have your life kind of figured out? Or uh, I, felt, I felt like I did. I felt like I haven't changed much, honestly. Really? If the only difference. I had more energy, I feel like, at 27, like, stay out later and, like, wake up early and not feel, like, completely wrecked. <laughs> um, and then also be able to have a few drinks and be totally fine the next day. Oh, yeah, I still never get hangovers. Okay. That's to me, that's, that's really the, the only difference. I don't difference. get hangovers. Either. What? Yeah. I wake up the next day like, oh. Oh, the other <laughs> difference is that it's easier to get in good shape. Oh. So, like, so if like you go to the gym, longer. yeah. So, like, back then I could go to the gym and see way more progress. Like, I would probably have to work 50% harder to get the same results as I would at 27. Oh, that makes Dang, sense. Dang, that's yeah. so... Uh, but we got to get to the gym. got to get to the gym. So I would say take advantage of it now. If there's anything, it's just like the energy you have, you could focus a little bit better, you could sleep a little less, you could Is work out a bit harder. Is there anything that you wish you could have done that you probably are not going to do because you kind of passed that age? Uh, not r- I feel like I did everything. Like the only thing you could go back and say is, "Oh, I wish I partied more." And like, yeah. But I, I was never into that. Like, I would rather have worked. So now it's like, yeah, it'll be a little awkward if I go into these places. Where, even now, like, I went to the bungalow in Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. If you've been there, yeah, yeah I'm yeah, the yeah. old one there. And I remember like going in there and think, you know, seeing everyone is like 21 to 25, and I felt like I felt out of place. Wow. And you'd hear these conversations like, "Oh yeah, I just got this internship. This is." I'm so out of it. I'm so it's like an internship, dude. An internship, man. Get away. I felt like I felt out of place. I felt. I now feel awkward going in and being old in places where like I thought I would fit in, and I don't. Um, same with a lot of like the YouTube events. I'm old, and it's like all these young, like 18 to 25 year old like TikTokers and like shorts yeah. people and vloggers and just. 
Why? I, yeah, y'all need muggers. These prank channels. Yeah. I know I feel out of place. Do you, are, yeah. you, are you scared of being older? No, I look forward to it. Like, really? I like the idea of being a grandpa. I don't know why. Ooh. It's just like... Where do you think that comes from? I don't know. I just... I, I've you always... I've always... Incredible grandpa. Yeah, I've always... The crankiest, dude. like, you walk out with your little one. thing, like the guy from... I want to be so... That's I want to embarrass people at Thanksgiving dinner to the most outlandish. <laughs> <laughs> people are like, oh, that's his grandpa. Yeah, grandpa. I'm grandpa like, oh, this Starbucks coffees. That's why you're broke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? That, I want to be like that. I've always gravitated towards older people for whatever reason. Wow. Like, I relate better to them. I, I see, like, Wisdom and what they have to say. They have experience. I, th- I think you learn a lot from old people. So I've yeah. always just like, ever since I was a kid, I'd hang out with like the adults. Wow. How about so. you, Jack? You feel the same? Like looking forward to old age? Yeah. Or- I'm, I, I'm, I've always loved the age that I've been at. Wow. To be honest. So you're 25? I'm 25. 25. Okay. Yeah. So I'm thrilled to be 25. And I'm sure as I grow older, like I'm just going to enjoy different things. And here's the thing that I found really interesting. When I was like 16, I had this crisis because I, I've always been pretty juvenile, uh, like liked childish things and stuff like that. And you when still I still do, Jack. Well, yeah, yeah, I still, I still do in some capacity, sure. But like when I was 16, like pulling pranks on my friends and being kind of an idiot, you know, like that was my favorite thing it would bring me so much happiness and mm-hmm. i was so scared that as i got older like it would be weird yeah. you know like i'm like 25 and i'm still pulling like childish pranks and stuff like that and everyone's like what are you doing it's like get a job it gets but get a as job. i as i got older i noticed i would have the same happiness and joy but just from other things mm-hmm. and i think that's just a part of maturing is that as you grow older you can still get that same happiness that you had when you were a kid but just from different things right yeah and so i'm expecting the rest of my life to be like that um, you know, once I'm 40, maybe just hanging out with my kids is like the most thrilling thing in the entire world. Yeah. Maybe it's better than everything I've experienced before. Yeah, your priorities are different. Exactly. Really, I, I had a horrible crisis of getting older for such a long time. We still kind of do. And I was like asking my dad about that. I was like, do you feel like sad that you're 60? Like suck for you. And he goes, you know, you guys always say that like the twenties, your twenties are gonna be your best years of your life, and I would say, the twenty, my twenties were the best years of my life, and then I turned thirty, and then my thirties were the best years of my life for different reasons, and then I turned forty, and they were the best years of my life for different reasons, and I never thought about it like that. I was always like, oh, my party phase, my travel phase, my dating around phase is gonna be the best years of my life, and they probably will be for those reasons but the reasons will always change and would grow so much as people. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really cool. And that alleviated so much anxiety about me getting older. Yeah. Damn. Dropping wisdom on all us. perspective. Yeah. yeah. Everyone follow dumb and wise. Yeah. Yeah. Check it out. It's another Not dad poet. His dad is yeah. a genius. Dad's a genius. It's somewhat off topic. How do you do your hair? <laughs> it's very off Thank top. You, dude. <laughs> Trying my best out there. Shout out. <laughs> do you use a blow dryer? I do. Do you use a blow dryer? Hell yeah. What? Dyson blow dryer. You guys got super bougie. What's, bro. what's the strategy? How do you dude, uh, do this? I've what? had the same haircut since I was like 10. <laughs> it's pretty okay. Bad. Yeah. So shout out Anuko hair yeah. hairstylist, our buddy that owns a barbershop. I've been going to him. He's been giving me advice. And I just recently, like a year ago, started using this paste. So dude, go for it, man. Okay. It's <laughs> like different, different, you know, just tr- try a bunch of different things. But I would say volume is the best thing that's ever happened in my hair. Okay. Interesting. So I was talking to Brett and Joseph, those, you know, Brett Maverick and yeah, yeah. yeah Blue Man. And, uh, 
And they said you need to use a blow dryer. It's like the most important thing if you want to have good and consistent hair as a guy. So Brett gave me a, a blow dryer and I was using it and it makes my hair look <laughs> so, so bad. Oh no. It was so bad. Horrible. I'll show you guys. I'll show photos up on the camera <laughs> yeah. now. It's like really bad to the point where I'm like, Jack, you cannot. Yeah. Are you just doing it wrong or is it just I a must blow dryer? Be. I must be doing it wrong. It, that, I hope it's that's the as case. As soon as I saw it, I started like well, laughing. Do you put product like, in after blow dryer? Kind of. I put I put a little bit of product in. Okay. Yeah. I think it's just a skill. Do you not like your hair right now? Is that why you're wearing a hat? I mean. That's okay. hot. That's hot. You change the camera? <laughs> that's, that's hot. hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Nice. I mean, uh, that's hat head, obviously. Yeah. So sure. It yeah. doesn't usually look like that, guys. But uh, yeah, Do you I gotta, want to like focus on your hair? I think or it would no. be a level up. Yeah. Because I think, you know, hat head Jack is just. <laughs> Do you like beard Jack? That's this is lazy Jack is is beard. I think it looks a little bit good with some five o'clock shadow. To be honest, I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Jack, you're gonna check your text message. Did she respond oh. to you? Oh, oh. We're coming back. We promised Let's our viewers at the very end. That is funny. Oh, she responded. Yes. Let's go. What you You read it out oh, loud. My oh my god. Okay. What, so what she did she say? She responds. Fuck off. I'm screaming all in caps. <laughs> I will be the first listener. <laughs> I'm going to pretend that picture was solely for me. It, it was. was. <laughs> Thank you for the immense joy I'm experiencing. Wow. wow. Jack, you got to set her up. Yo, huge shout out to you. What's her name? Tori. Tori. Let's go, Tori. Shout out Tori. Go on a fantastic date with Jake. Jack. Okay. <laughs> Jake. Jake. <laughs> Jake. All right, Tori. Yeah, Tori, give Jake a chance to break. Well, Jake. Please. Yeah, get his name Mama right Jake. so that'll be better. <laughs> All right. Well, that was, holy Three hours, ten minutes. Let's Whoa! go! That's our longest podcast ever. That might be This is our second longest ever. Wow. Healthy Gamer was the longest that, at three hours, 30 minutes. See, this was wow. crazy because, like, like we're, just, we're friends, so it's kind of just, like, just chit-chatting. Yeah. Yeah. We probably would have had easy. the same conversation elsewhere. Yeah, made it very is easy. Is there anything else that you want to mention while we're on the roll? Dude. Anything else? 2024 is about to get crazier. I know we we say that yeah. every single year, so our <laughs> fans are like, "Shut up!" Yeah. <laughs> but like, like we have a lot of plans. We're gonna be traveling the world for our haunted stuff, and have a lot of like side businesses that are gonna be launching. So just get ready for 2024. It's gonna be crazy. Yeah, and go check us out in Zoomies. Or in oh Zoomies yeah! Zoomies oh across my the God! How did we every not even bring that up? You guys were like their number one most sold. What like? Like yeah. collection, so yeah. most yeah. sold brand of Black Friday, which is crazy. wow. So they got be, in every Zoom. Danny Du, right? He's just week, for that sure. week. Okay. Just for that I don't know week. what the stats are now, but yeah. now because of that, we're in every store in the United States and in Canada. It's and good looking merch. Thank you. Know? Thank you. I really Thank think you. it's something that like you could see people wear, well, even if they don't know what it is. Tell that story. Mm-hmm. That uh, was crazy. Yeah. yeah, this was really, really cool. So the other day we went to go to Azumi's to get like photo shoot pictures and to do some promo. Uh, no, no, no. Like a couple weeks ago, okay, Zach. Cool. Um, and while we were walking in to do the photo shoot, we, we saw this guy and he walked up mm. to the employee and goes, hey, what, what's, what's that one? Oh, yeah, these are these are new in store. And he's like, these are sick. Uh, and he takes it down, does the whole explore thing. And we walk up to him and we like look just to see if he like recognize oh. us. He had no idea who we are. 
He was wow. just like in front of our eyes being like, this is really cool merch. He's like an older dude. Had no idea who 40s. we are. Yeah. And that just like validated that like people outside of our, you know, YouTube audience will enjoy the merch. Yeah. Super. I think it's a good design. I like the style of it. I think it's the baggy is kind of like. You. Whoever's thank making, you. like yeah. manufacturing them, it's very comfortable. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Shout yeah. Out the team. Shout out team. Yeah. Can I ask how much do you make on like a sweater? If like Zoomy sells a sweater, like, like a dollar. That you guys get like net, like yeah, it's it's not different margins, for our, like, yeah. obviously our merch versus Zoomies. Yeah, we just have a different deal, um, and different blanks and stuff. Different blanks, but it's like I don't know. I don't even know. I don't want to <laughs> say the wrong number. Yeah, um, it's it's a pretty good margin. Like it's yeah. very comparable to what we uh, make on our own side. Cool. So like, let's say we'll sell ours, make uh, X percentage. We get like maybe ten percent less from a Zoomies purchase, so it's actually okay, sure. really That's really good. Yeah, to be in. But what's cool about the Zoomies deal is like they buy in bulk, yeah, or whatever. So it's really like and obviously they buy it from you, yeah. yeah. So we get money up front, basically. And then, and then they like sell if it, we yeah. like obviously we'll never do this Zoomies, we promise. We but you. like we love you. Um, but like if we technically could just be like, all right, thank you, and just not post anything about it, and not have it sell or like, like promo it, yeah. buy it. We'll never do that though. Yeah. And do you give Zoomies like a special design so that like only they sell those yes. designs? Got yes. it. Or specific colorways. Colorways, unique designs, or they'll get designs first or anything like that. And also, Zoomies is now the only place that you can get our merch with like when we're not dropping. Because we usually only, like drop our merch online for like two days at a time. Mm-hmm. Every other month. Every other month. So the rest of the seven weeks that we're not dropping, that's the only spot you can mm-hmm. get Explore merch. So. That's what's really cool. About and it's cool just to say that we are in like, I think it's, correct me if I'm wrong, 650 stores that's in pretty the world. Big. Yeah. yeah. And we're, we're storefront in at least like 50% of them right now. Yeah. Like our faces are plastered on really? the front of the store. That's got to be oh my so God. Which is Walk, You guys big. just did that, right? Like a couple days night? ago, you were walking. Yeah, that was last night. You uh-huh. were walking through trying to find Zoomies that just like. Was that the Vegas Fashion Mall? Yeah. Actually, really. So if you go to that Zoomies, you'll see just like Sam and I's giant faces. You should go there and like sign the bottom of it and just have people go and they can like see it, you know? It's a full circle moment. Someone will steal that though. If you sign it, someone will just take it. For sure. It's kind of a full circle moment, like especially with the Oak Park Mall, like where we first started in line. Now we're our faces are plastered on there, so yeah. even though we can't legally go in there, That's we're still in there. That's right so there. cool. Yeah, it's a very gratifying feeling. And it's cool. Merch is definitely, you know, it was always part of our business, but within the last like year since we did it all ourselves and we like really tried to push the quality of it, has now become like our, our biggest piece of business. Yeah. That's your if you were to draw a pie with percentages, no numbers, but just percentages, can you say like? what these percentages look like from different areas? Uh, AdSense and merch are close, but merch is still a bigger piece of the Mm -hmm. pie. Yeah, but Uh, between AdSense and merch, I would say both of those are probably 70%. I feel like you need a Ouija board. That you guys sell. <laughs> we tried to like, sell that a long time ago. We did. Like, did it not go well? Uh, we did like just a custom amount, right? A, it was a like 100 or something. Yeah, yeah, it's like a one-off. It might be making a comeback. We don't know. Yeah. So that's a, a collector's item. So for like real fans, if they have one of a hundred of the Ouija board, that, that's got to be it, worth some money, right? Probably. Right. Yeah. 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 It kind of depends on if people even want it or not, too, because we didn't know how big the market was for yeah. 
in selling like a Ouija board to like a young audience mm-hmm. too is kind of like <laughs> you're opening a, a portal. Thing? Yeah, you're <laughs> right. is there a moral wrong yeah. thing with that? Put a warning in there. All of a sudden, yeah. accidents start happening out of nowhere. Yeah. It's like, hey, maybe like, it's cursed. Exactly. Okay. So there's a lot of like those little logistic things where we're like. We haven't pulled the trigger on that yet, but yeah. we've thought about it for sure. Yeah, <laughs> we've thought about it. We didn't even bring up the Cinemark thing, but just congratulations on that as Thank well. You. That was 168. 168. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Theaters, you guys sold out yeah. or something, right? Yeah. So we didn't sell out the entire theaters, but in each theater we would have screenings that were completely sold out, and then they would just add another screen. Oh, got it. That's. Yeah. I mean, that's that's insane. And yeah. you were the insane. first YouTubers to ever do something like that, right? There were some uh, people that like tested it, but I yeah. think that was the most successful one that Cinemark did. Yeah, I don't want to name drop here if I'm wrong, but Jacksepticeye. Jacksepticeye did <laughs> Do it one mm. like a month before we did. <laughs> there was like, um, Yes Theory did a very oh, small that's right. version of a yeah. tour of it. Yeah. But I think we were the first people to like, you know, do it all nationwide. Have they yeah. hit you guys up and they're like, hey, we want to like keep doing these? Yeah. Cinemark is hitting you guys. Again. Yeah. Wow. Has anyone ever approached you for a movie? And just said, hey, we want to buy the rights to have you guys act in, you know, we want to do this we haunted have had horror special. offers before, but we've always turned down acting positions, especially in movies, and especially if it was in um, Haunted, just because, like, if we act in Haunted, yeah. how can well, we, I meant like, like... Like a docu-series, or if it's like them following you guys Ooh, around. That, cool. that could be different. You know, the yeah. reason why Sony some, Studios wants something, yeah. Yeah, the reason why, like, our videos are so authentic is because we are the only people that go in. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just me, Colby, a camera, and then whoever our guests are. The first time we ever had any, like, team member on was this Conjuring Andre. series because we needed someone to go get food and, like, go get the guests. We were there for a week. We were there for a week. But other than that, it's always just me, Colby, a camera, and then whoever is our guest um, because we don't want the producers, other people, cameramen, all in there because that just, you know, ruins the experience or that makes people think, oh, maybe someone's pulling a string or something. But, like, the super just run and gun like low budget stuff is the the whole backbone of our channel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think the whole if, point an, of yeah. if a Netflix were to come to you, they'd have a crew of like 30 people. Yeah. And it would exactly. be cool. Yeah. Like a food truck a outside, like catering stations. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I don't understand is like people in our comments are just like, oh my God, these guys should like be on Netflix. These yeah. should be in like movies or whatever. And we were like, we want to be like right here. Yeah, yeah this right. is like never been a success when people try to go into more mainstream. Yeah. from YouTube. Plus, like, what's the benefit of doing, like there's no benefit. Or yeah, there's money? no benefit. It's like everything that You're we for going wanted control. is mm-hmm. in this YouTube thing, and we have full control over it. So like, mm-hmm. we're in the best position possible. So like, yeah. why move? Yeah, it's yeah. like it's a happy. It's life. just the name. Like people think like, oh, they're on Netflix. Like you made it. Whatever. So for that some reason, is still there though. It is. Yeah. Yeah, there's, but that is like, a thing. Why not just throw Sam and Colby in Cinemark instead of yeah. you know, on Netflix? You know, we can just do the same things. I also think YouTube like prediction and it's already happening. But like over the next five ten years, the YouTubers are going to get like massive respect because it's turning into like a TV show. Mm-hmm. I feel like everybody has their own show now, yeah. where you have to have some sort of production to like really get like a lot of views and stuff so like i think slowly like older heads like older people are like realizing like oh wait youtube is the future mm-hmm. like yeah. we should take this seriously there was zero respect 10 years ago for yeah. youtube but mr beast changed oh that totally game completely yeah. like after mr beast and especially the launch of like i know mr beast burger didn't do too well like yeah. now or whatever but like when he first feastables. like launched that yeah. feastables like that was huge for mm-hmm. big corporations yeah. being like wait he's selling that much yeah and he's that, a youtuber i'm yeah. happy dad all like the big corporations people are taking youtubers seriously especially because the power yeah mm. yeah cool all right is there anything else you guys want to say or is 
Thanks for having oh, us yeah. on. Guys. Yeah, yeah, thanks it's for coming on. Incredibly it's fun. Yeah, I really appreciate it. I'm taking a look at the Healthy Gamer. How long that one was? I just want to see. Let's see if do we're we setting records here. <laughs> oh yeah. We do. We do trim. So we do cut out some stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 So oh, his was two forty six. Oh wait. So are we, we filmed for longer? Are we setting a record right Brett now? Cooper's long. Brett Cooper. Dang. Regardless, Grant, we. <laughs> Yeah, I just want to see, just okay. really quickly. I know we cut out some. After you cut out the boring parts, it'll probably be like an hour. Oh. Hours, <laughs> so it depends how much we cut of this. Why? What are we at right Brett now? Brett Cooper's was three hours three hours, and eight minutes. Eight minutes. That's minutes. the longest episode we've ever done. Oh, and wow. we probably filmed with her three and a half and then cut out, you know, some stuff. Yeah. So we'll see. This might be our longest episode. Well, uh, even if not, thanks for having us on. It was yeah. fun. Thank you so much for coming on, boys. Yeah. Oh, tell everyone nice. to subscribe so we beat Caleb Hammer. Oh, yeah. Subscribe. Whoever that Caleb guy is, <laughs> ignore him. Subscribe right now. Like subscribe. Beat him to a million. Subscribe for Jake. Subscribe <laughs> for, <you> Jake. <laughs> for Jake. Thank you, guys. And until next, until next time. time.